0: she does. Ooh,
1: she does. She welcome she back does. ladies and gentlemen i am 24 this is my podcast 24's podcast it like how's it let me let me get something really really fast
0: 2 seconds hold on uh. IT'S IN THE WRONG SPOT! Ah. Ah, Sorry about that.
1: Um, goodness gracious, I just had to get something really, really fast. I apologize for that. Uh, go ahead and unpause my music, please got a lot of uh explaining to do got a ready wow i just got an ad when i'm playing the beatles and as I, as i am going through a heartfelt intro what is going on stop giving me ads play my music got a lot of explaining to do um about what well i mean pause it. it's it's a very very short explanation of why i didn't podcast yesterday unfortunately Ironically, this is a great uh, Beatles song that I, I was just like. Oh, you know, I found it on the internet a couple of days ago, and I was like, "Let me, um, let me, uh, let me play it on the podcast."
0: And so here we are. By the way,
1: by the way, I mean obviously it's "Don't Let Me Down" off of Hey Jude, but this is a live performance of. That song on a rooftop, where and it's infamous, and you can actually find some of the footage on the internet. But the Beatles are on a roof and they're playing Don't Let Me Down, of course. And for some weird reason, police officers are like, We gotta shut it down. Ironic, we gotta shut it down. We gotta shut it down. They're too good. We're losers. We want to, you know, we want to just ruin everybody's good fun. We're morons. We're idiots. We'll ruin one of the best performances that we'll ever see. Live performances of an iconic band. But we're losers. We want to ruin it. And so you'll see police officers kind of walking and coming out of nowhere on this rooftop that the Beatles are performing on. Unpause my music, please. Great song. Great song. Um, I'll talk about why I didn't podcast yesterday. Unfortunately, it just... Pause it again. Hindsight probably shouldn't have tried to come back yesterday. I should have just either had, like, stuck to my regularly regularly scheduled podcast where I don't podcast on Monday, I podcast on Tuesday, and then I start the week. Should have probably done that. Instead, I was a little bit over-ego to... Eager to get back into the podcast, and so I podcasted it on Monday, and I should have podcasted on Monday. I should have started it, so. Should have done that. Unpause my music. But we will talk about what I wanted to talk about yesterday, today, which is drafting, draft theory, all that good stuff, as well as we'll kind of have an introduction to Formula One on my podcast, Um, You've probably seen Drive to Survive. You've probably seen, I I mean, like, let's just be honest. Everybody's seen that TV show. I'll talk about essentially what happened at the end of last season, or technically last year's season, which Drive to Survive this season is about. We'll talk about it. Ladies and gentlemen, right here, 24 Podcast.
2: She really does me.
1: Ooh, she done me, she me
2: good.
3: I guess nobody ever...
1: Re- you you want to know, like, I think we can all agree, right? Because you hear about this iconic band your entire life. You know, you hear about how awesome the Beatles are. Oh my God, they're one of the best bands ever and things of that nature until you actually listen to their music you're like 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 how good can they be you know are they really one of the yes they are one of the best bands of all time i forgot when i listened to the beatles for the first time but um obviously picked up Ab- abbey road listened to it when i was working out and i was like holy fuck holy fuck they, like these melodies these tunes i'm like these these songs that i've heard for my entire life or Roots, or not Roots, but like these songs that I've heard my entire life were influenced by this band that existed in the 60s. And one day I'm walking around Walmart, which I complained on the podcast about Walmart Vinyl. And I was like, oh, Walmart Vinyl sucks. Don't ever buy it. And then I saw Abbey Road in Walmart, and I was like, let me pick it up. And it sounds great, and I have it. And that's what I was getting, Abbey Road. Obviously, Abbey Road doesn't have... Don't let me down, but it also, I mean, come on now. It has some great fucking hits. Here Comes the Sun, uh, Maxwell's Hammer, or Silver Hammer. Oh, darling, bum, bum, please believe me. Who doesn't like that song? You now, and obviously, come together right now, bum, over me. And of course, who doesn't love the iconic album? Cover of them walking on Abbey Road. I don't know. Is that Abbey Road? I don't know. I don't know that much lore of the Beatles, but, you know. I know some tracks. I know some music. I don't know. Maybe we should listen to the Beatles. I don't know. But it's like I've listened to a lot of their music. You know? I don't know. And it's like it's, it's just going to be me, like, sitting here being like, oh, yes, I like this song. Sorry. <clears throat> God. Let me, uh, let me turn down the heater. It is... Kind of hot in here, but it's stupendously cold um, right now. Hold on, let me turn down the heater.
0: Ridiculously, or ridiculously cold outside.
1: It is ordinarily hot in here. reason why it's cold outside is, I don't know if you know this, but uh, probably global warming or what is it? What's the... Uh, they, re- <laughs> they rebranded it into... Uh, what's it called now? Um... Climate, climate change, that's what they call it. Like, it's climate change. It's like, it's, it gets hot, really, really hot, and really, really cold. So I'm like, Jesus Christ, it's fucking... It's ridiculous. It's like, it's fluctuated. The temperature over the last couple of weeks has fluctuated from being like a nice, crisp 70, 60 degrees, to now it's like 30 to 40 degrees right now. I, I step out, and it's windy! It's windy, it's like it's freaking Chicago. So it feels like it's 20 degrees outside, it's pouring on, the wind's freaking cold, it's ridiculous. And then it was raining, I was like, am I, like, do I live in, uh, in, in what's it called, in England? Do I live in Great England? Great England, Jesus Christ.
0: The UK, or Great Britain, there we go.
1: I had a horrendous, horrendous, horrendous brain fart. So yes, sorry, um... I'm excited, I'm excited to come back, excited to talk about uh podcast today. Kind of like I alluded to in the intro, I, I probably should have came back yesterday and not Monday. The reason why I just simply put didn't have a podcast yesterday is that I did have a podcast. I had about an hour and 40 minutes. And at times it was really, really good. And then this happens two or three times during the course of the year. And that was one of those two to three times. Yesterday was one of those two or three times where I had a lot of content, but I did not like it. And I actually on, let me, let me play it for you. Let me show you it. Let me play you a little bit of the podcast. And you can actually hear me like contemplate whether or not I should like just end the podcast or, or not. Let me let me play you a little bit of this. Two seconds. Gotta like dig it out from the trash because as soon as I was done with the podcast, I was just like, get off, just get get out of my face, get off my screen. I'm done.
0: Let me pull it up for you. Okay, here we go. Ba, 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 ba. Let me find the ending. Hmm. Hold
1: on. Okay, so this is me, like, going on... I, I don't know what tangent I'm going off of, but, like, essentially in, like, 10 to 20 seconds, I'll just be like, I'm out, I, I'm done, I just... I can't. I can't do this. It's not, ooh, we're only trading up six spots, and, and six spots uh, uh, well, means X thing. It's like, no, you're trading... For the number one overall pick. You're trading to potential. I sound coherent, right? I sound good. It's like, oh, like like you don't understand what I'm saying because it, like I'm just, it, like I'm an hour and 20 minutes in and it's just like you, you don't have the context. So it's hard to even contemplate what I'm saying, but it, you'll, you'll see like the disappointment and the realization that I'm just, I'm not, I like I just recorded some good stuff, but also a lot of bad stuff. Eventually get Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. What was the, for like, we're done talking about in referencing what the Bears did, didn't the 49ers give up, like, two first-round draft picks to go... Oh, no, this is, like, a minute out. Hold on, let me fast-forward a little bit more. I apologize. ...a third-rounder to swap with... to, I think, move up a couple of spots with the 49ers.
0: Yeah. To move up, like, 10 spots. Excuse me. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to make, like... Goodness gracious. I'm tired. Here it is. Do I want to continue? No. And
1: that's where I ended. That's where I ended yesterday's uh, show. And so I was just like, yeah, this isn't good. I was, uh, we'll talk about essentially the Bears and how they control the draft. And we'll also kind of bring in some reporters from a Chicago uh, local media, I guess, company called CHGO. We'll talk about them and their perspective on the draft. We'll talk about it. But yeah, I just didn't feel like what I put out yesterday was good enough. So I was like, eh, I'm not putting it out. So yeah, that's what happened. It was weird too because right after I was done with the podcast, like my throat closed up. It, I did not feel good. I just got over it a couple of hours ago. I, I thought to myself, I'm going to record the podcast all day long. And then I woke up and I'm like, I may not be able to record the podcast today. And thank God that did not happen. And I'm back. I am back, baby. We're back. We're back. And I woke up to the news of Tom Brady retiring and thought that Sometimes things fall together very, very cleanly and very, very nicely, and I can uh, can kind of just you know can you know can can kind of just like benefit, unfortunately, from my um from my bad luck. I don't know. Like you're gonna have good days, you're gonna have bad days in the office all the time, so it happens. It's not that big of a deal to some extent. I just wish that I I referred to this a couple weeks ago. I was like, when it rains, it pours, you know? And just like, I just wanted a little bit more consistency before I left um, on my break in the next couple of weeks. By the by, I'm leaving for about a week, and about two weeks after the Super Bowl, or the week after, it's a week after the Super Bowl happens, right? That's when I will leave, I think it's the week of the 23rd of February, or technically, when, when am I actually leaving? Like, when, what is the exact date? What is the exact date? It is the 18th all the way up to the 27th. That's about like nine days. I will be gone for nine days. I will have a podcast every single day after the Super Bowl. And from the 18th of February all the way up to the 27th, the reason why it's like almost two weeks is because it kind of like works its way there. Because I will not have a podcast on the weekend, on that weekend. The 18th is the Saturday. And I will come back straight away for the combine for the first week of Formula One on the 27th. That is when I will leave. That is the plan. That is my plan. So we still have about three weeks left of the podcast, including this week. Technically, it's like two and a half. And then I will leave and I will come back refreshed. I don't feel that unrefreshed, but it's weird. It's like, you know, when you're grinding, when you're, you know, when you're in the weeds, it's like you don't feel tired. And then yesterday I felt tired. And then this morning I felt tired. And then I'm like, okay, um, let's just. Let's just refer, you know. Let's just kind of recuperate ourselves, and let's get th- some things um, done. I also will. I don't know what I'm going to be doing in the break. I may be playing Bloodborne. I may try and find a copy of that game for cheap at Walmart or something like that. Everybody, somebody has got to have a copy of Bloodborne. I want to play that game as well as uh, Hogwarts Legacy. I plan on buying that here in the next couple of uh, weeks. It's coming out next week. You cannot, cannot wait. We we will see what happens. Anyways, uh, what else do I gotta? Oh, yeah, I'm almost done reading Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. I'm 50 pages out, read all 50 pages today cleanly. It's been the cleanest day ever. I'm caught up. I'm ready to get this book done tomorrow. Boom! First 50, first book that I read all year outside of, and then there were none. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. Can't wait to get it done. Cannot wait. To add it to my freaking stack of 70 plus books that I've already read. Um, if you don't know the story, essentially, I used to read or I read a book a week for about eight months. I say a year, but it was like eight to nine months, something like that. But it's, you know, I, I like to round up. And I had so much productivity. I progressed so much as a person. I learned so much. I got so much stuff done. It was awesome. It was great. And then what happened was uh, I just got burnt out from reading, and it was particularly because I just didn't read any fictional books whatsoever, so to try and get that balance, maintain that balance, etc., etc., I decided to buy a bunch of fictional books, and I got *Misborn* on deck, but once again, this month is Black History Month, so I... I'm gonna read My Bondage and My Freedom. What what book is actually on the docket? I think it's like Uncle Tom's cabin. Hold on. I have it written on my calendar or on my wall. Two seconds. I got it written on my calendar. Yeah. Like Uncle Tom's cabin on Friday. And then literally the day of the Super Bowl is when I start reading My Bondage and My Freedom. Cannot, cannot wait to read those iconic books. Those are like two of the uh, two of like the most iconic books when it comes to to uh to talking about African American history um during I think it's the 17 and 1800s and it gives you a very close very brutal um telling of slavery in America which I think is important. I saw something weird today where and I'm not, I'm not going to talk about it. No, I, I will talk about it. It's so weird where it's just like as somebody who's studied so many different things, it's so weird whenever like people talk about African American Um, history and tragedies as if it's, like, this bad thing to study African-American history, and then you'll see, like, I I read somewhere, I I saw this Reddit post of, like, how AP curriculum, advanced placement curriculum in high school, advanced placement curriculum is, like, college credit, advanced placement curriculum focusing on African-American history is, like, being, I can maybe even find the Reddit post, but it's, like, it's essentially being, like, devalued according to like the college board, right? The college board is the uh the people who essentially give out college credit to high schoolers um based off of like advanced placement and things of that nature. And I thought that that was so weird because I've studied an incredible amount of like history over my life, more so than the average person, but even then I still feel very very like uneducated about history, um, especially world history, especially when it comes to individual countries, because I'm American, but it's so weird to, like, say, like, African-American history doesn't matter, or teaching kids about African-American history is bad or whatever, when it's just, like, saying, like, like, it would be like saying to German kids, you know, it's traumatic to, to, uh, you know, to teach you guys about your ancestors, about the Nazis, and stuff like that, and just, like, the, like, Germans just, like, literally, like, they, they teach their kids about Nazis and like, like, um, and how bad they were and stuff like that. Or it's, or it's just like, it's, it's hypocritical. It's like literally, what is it? Like literally people talk about European history and stuff like that. Regardless, I, I do plan on studying a whole lot of African-American history. Cause I literally, what was it? Like a month ago, read, what was that book? What was it called? What do they call it? Um, Operation Paperclip, I read it, which was a book about how, like, Nazi scientists came over in a governmental program called Operation Paperclip. Like, huge Nazis, like, uh, Warner Von Braun and other scientists came over to, like, help, um, the United States with their science, science programs and stuff like that. It's terrible. Terrible stuff. It's depra- I, I stopped reading it because of just... How sad I got, and things of that nature, I was just like, "Wow, this sucks. It's terrible and obviously, the horrific experiments that they that they uh what is it that they executed on on their prisoners and things of that nature of their concentration camp. Do I have anything else to talk about? right, get started. Oh, yeah, I saw the whole Netflix thing. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about Netflix now. Getting, what is it, they're like, they are now officially going to start blocking people, or not blocking people, they're going to start doing the the whole, we're going to block you, or what, what's it called, their plan to essentially stop people from password sharing, you have to log into your account every 31 days, which to me is insane, it's like, it, it kind of defeats the whole purpose, I, I, is, is Netflix the only company that does that? Like, I just got my bill for HBO Max. HBO Max has um has increased their, like, uh, subscription. I already paid, like, $14 for it a month. Now I pay $15 for it. And it's, like, HBO Max on my iPad is not a good streaming service, to be honest with you. Like, the content is great, but the actual foundation of the content... Or not the foundation of the content. The, um, what is it? <clears throat> the actual like app sucks, not the actual stuff that's on the app, but the application itself, it fucking sucks, I hate it, it crashes all the time, it doesn't show videos and TV shows that I'm currently watching, and it just fucking gives me recommendations, and I'm like, bro, I fuck your recommendations, give me the content, like when I get into my application, when I get into HBO Max, I want to be able to see the content that I am watching, not the content that you think that I want to watch. That I don't know. I Feel like their algorithm algorithms, excuse me, are are um are like aren't very good, and the structure of their site isn't very good. Though I just saw that on Reddit. It's like the front page of Net, Reddit, and I was just like, <clears throat> that's ridiculous. Apparently, they're going to pa- start charging for password sharing by the end of March not believe Netflix is doing that like everything that everybody likes about Netflix is starting to like just Netflix is literally undoing so ridiculous unbelievable it's like do I use Netflix I, you want to know the shocking thing I watch Crunchyroll I watch HBO Max I watch a lot of different things and it's just like I do love Netflix I mean everybody loves Netflix but I mean let's just be honest there's so many awesome awesome streaming services out besides Netflix. And it's just like, Netflix is just the biggest one. And it's like, I feel like they're kind of, I remember it's so weird. I remember reading this. I know I'm not even on sports right now, but I remember reading this article that Netflix went to their shareholders and were like, we are going to lose a lot of subscribers. We're going to lose like tens or hundreds of millions of dollars or something, but don't worry. That's normal. I'm like, what? How can you get away with that as a company? When you're just like, yeah, we're just going to lose hundreds of millions of dollars based upon our consumer practices. I've never seen something like that before in my entire life where a company can be like, we're about to lose hundreds of millions of dollars, not because of the market, not because of um, unforeseen circumstances, but literally things that we are projecting is going to happen. That's insane. Has Netflix recovered financially? Let Let me check. If Netflix hasn't recovered financially, they need to fire people. They're valued right now at two at 361. I'm looking at year to date. it's they're up, but I mean it's only January. never mind let me go to one year. Yeah, I mean they they for the most part have recovered since like April of last year when they had a huge dip. they their stock price fell like a hundred dollars, which is a lot. It's a lot. It fell like a hundred dollars in April, like literally within a day. From, like, April 19th, it was valued at $348 to 226 Like, we're talking about hundreds of billions of dollars being just, like, gone. But now it it has admittedly recovered to, I think, highs that it wasn't at last year. So, I guess they were right. It's so weird, but I hate how they do business. It's ridiculous. It's
0: ridiculous
1: goodness gracious, even some stock that I have, that I bought at like extraordinarily low, I'm not going to say at what price, or not what price, but like what stock, I think I bought it at like $8, now it's like valued at 11 I was just like, oh, okay, I thought it would never recover, I bought it in like May or something like that of last year, and, or even, I forgot when I bought it, but it was like May or something like that, and I bought it, and it, like, it literally sunk down to, like, $6. And I was like, oh, my God, this is horrifying. And then now today it's valued at, like, 11 with potentially, um, I mean, it, I don't know, I don't know, like, at what price it'll increase at or, like, at what price it will, it will, like, get to. But, I mean, it's at an all-time low pretty much. But, I mean, literally a couple of years ago it was worth $56. But, I mean. The global pandemic kind of knocked it out. Regardless of all of that stuff that's not football, I kind of just had a large deviation because I just have the mind of a gerbil. I do um, get uberly distracted. By the way, speaking of distractions, before we finally get on to football and the draft talk and all that good stuff, and then Formula One, this will probably be a two-hour to maybe two-and-a-half-hour-long podcast. It's starting to look like already. God, man, I love Justice League. It's so awesome. Jesus Christ. There is this fantastic episode with Booster Gold, who is this superhero from the future, who the whole point of like this episode, and it kind of sucks because it, it's essentially like a story within a story or I, it's like a story that is parallel to a story that's being told or whatever. And it's like Booster Gold is, is um what is it? Is like is like this kind of like novelty character, and like it like it, it's hard to kind of describe what he is. But essentially, he is he is um he's kind of like a side character within the DC universe, and he essentially, while the Justice League are fighting off this magician, he is trying to stop a scientist who, for some weird reason, has a black hole like in his um in his stomach and it's a really really interesting storyline and I just watched that episode because I'm watching Justice League Unlimited on my freaking on my freaking uh Blu-ray player. Yesterday I was watching Justice League as well and I saw Wonder Woman cook, kick, excuse me, a lot of ass. Sorry. Um let's get let's get two things out of the way. Very very quickly, very very shortly. Tom Brady retiring D'Amico Ryan's being hired as the San, not the San Francisco 49ers head coach, as the Houston Texans head coach. And Sean Payton going to the Denver Broncos. Let's talk about all three of those things. Um, Very, very fast, because I've spent almost 30 minutes talking about kind of nothing. So,
0: D'Amico Ryan's, and I did talk about this like
1: two times yesterday, but again, I, it was bad. D'Amico Lyons was the 49ers defensive coordinator. He was one of the top guys that was being shopped around the... Um, uh, not even shopped around, per se, but he was one of the key coaching assistants that had interest from a bevy of different teams. He was this year essentially the guy when it comes to head coaches, head coaching candidates. And he is from the San Francisco 49ers, very similarly to Robert Sala as well. He is the defensive coordinator. And D'Amico Ryans is essentially the top head coaching candidate this offseason. And what I said this offseason essentially was, listen, D'Amico Ryans should not take the Houston Texans job. I said it, I stand by it, I still think that. I think he shouldn't, shouldn't have taken it. I thought that he shouldn't even consider it because this team is a garbage fire. It's a dumpster. It is a terrible football team. I constantly say that this is a non-professional, professional football team. It is an amateur football team. How they run their football team is horrific. How they play football is weird. How they go about their business is just, like, everything that they do is bad. And I don't understand it. They purposely lose games. They fire head coaches after they lose games, after they win games. I would have expected that they would have had, like, like there, there would have been a little bit more cause for pause when it comes to this organization because they literally fired their head coach literally after a game that they won because they wanted the number one
0: overall pick. Shout out to Lovey Smith. But um, it's it's to me
1: a non. It, it doesn't move me that the Houston Texans hired D'Amico Ryan's because I don't know how much of a I don't know how good of a head coach he can be. Number one, but number two, and this is more importantly, I don't really fucking believe in the Houston Texans. So in that regard, I don't know how good of a football team they can be because they have shown me that they are terrible, and I don't know how good. D'Amico Ryans can be. And we'll talk about Ryan Poles and we'll talk about the Bears and things of that nature here in a couple of minutes. But I mean, obviously, Bryce Young was on the table. They have the 12th overall pick as well as the second overall pick. So they have a, a lot of huge draft capital for the Houston Texans. But man, oh man, it's great for the Houston Texans. They got their guy. They got the number one guy that they wanted. I don't know if that means anything for the future of the team because I don't necessarily think that this is a good football team, but mm, we'll see. We'll see. I think my
0: perspective on this, I don't think this moves the needle for me
1: when it comes to this football team. I mean, honestly, they could have hired Andy Reid if he was available. I don't know if that would have moved the needle for me for this football team. They are that bad. They are horrific. They don't really have an offensive line. They don't really have any wide receivers. They don't really have a defense. And it's just, it's like, if you are the Texans, do you roll with, if D'Amico Ryans comes in and is like, look, I need a defensive player. I need Will Anderson or Jalen Carter Will Anderson, the pass rusher, the edge rusher out of Alabama, Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle out of Georgia. I need one of those guys because he's a defensive coordinator and he has had great defensive players, Fred Warner, Nick Bosa. Do you acquiesce if you're the Texans? Do you say, yeah, we'll pass on Bryce? Like, I don't know. He's the head coach. Nick Cassari, I I don't know. I don't know how much power. I don't know the politics within the Houston Texans organization. I really, really don't. And most importantly, I have no idea if they are actually going to let Damico Ryans contribute to the selection of the football team. To the selection of the players of the football team. Or if that's just Casario. Because by my you know, by my perspective, Casario has done a great job at not acquiring talent, getting rid of all the talent for the most part on the football team, and then losing A lot of football games. If there's one thing I know about Nick Casario, he can lose a lot of football games as a GM. But it's so much easier to essentially just cut costs and get rid of people and fire people than it is to actually hire good people within the Houston Texans. Not just from a head coaching perspective, but from a player perspective. So I don't know if he has the capacity, the capability to be able to get free agents to the Houston Texans because they got to freaking rebuild their entire roster. And, or I don't know if he can actually draft. Because last year, I thought that he had had a good draft. This year, I'm not so sure. Kenyon Green was terrible last year. John Mechie wasn't his fault, but he has cancer. Hopefully, he's okay. I haven't seen any status update on him. But I know that his cancer was one of the more manageable strains of it. So hopefully, he's all right. But goodness gracious, like, I, I don't know what to say about the, um, about the Texans. They play in the worst division in the NFL while also being the worst team in the NFL. Like, they're the number two overall seed behind the Bears, but make no mistake about it, it's because of Lovey Smith that they won that game and that they're kind of like competently incompetent. It's hard to describe. Hard to describe the the Houston Texans, but yeah, um, this doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't do anything for me because the Houston Texans, I don't know how good or how bad they are. Scratch that, I know that they are very, very bad. I don't know how good they can be, so... Because their organization, I don't know. Are they going to try this year? Are they going to try this year? Are we now going to get the Houston Texans actually trying? I, I don't know.
0: Hmm. We'll see. <clears throat>
1: Next up, we got Sean Payton. The Denver Broncos get him for a first round draft pick and a second round draft pick. That's pretty fucking high for me, to be honest with you he trade a first and a second, but Denver wanted to be aggressive. They wanted a head coach. They're tired of Nathaniel Hackett. I feel like George Patton, the GM, should have been fired as well because he seems incredibly incompetent, to be honest with you. Firing and hiring, or hiring and firing Nathaniel Hackett within a year. Trading away Von Miller for Peanuts when he's still a great player. Trading away Bradley Chubb, among others. The trade for Russell Wilson. Like, all of these bad decisions that have essentially gotten the Denver Broncos to where they are today are rooted in George Patton, the GM. So I don't know why he isn't on a a freaking ship to nowheresville because of how terrible of a GM he's been over the last couple of, not even years. I think he's only been the GM for one or two years. It's insane how bad he has been for a year. And a half to two years, I don't know. But... They go after Sean Payton. They get Sean Payton. One of the better, if not best, play callers, play designers in the history of the sport. It it will be a very, very interesting formation with him and Russell Wilson there. Hopefully, he can provide some structure. I wonder how long it'll take for him to really get going as a head coach. I'm not really sure. I don't really know. But, I mean, he cannot be as bad as Nathaniel Hackett. But we'll see. We will... We will see what happened.
0: We will see. <clears throat> I'm not really sure what's going to happen. Um, anyways, Sean Payton, we'll see. D'Amico Ryans, we'll see.
1: Tom Brady retiring. Part of the podcast yesterday was actually about how Tom Brady, how I had said that the Raiders were going to get Tom Brady in the offseason. That's what everything kind of looked like. That's what everything was pointing towards. And two, and today, early in the morning, he retires. He retires. Greatest of all time. Talked about it yesterday, or not yesterday, goodness gracious. Last year, talked about how he's the greatest, and he is. He's the greatest football player of all time. And uh, it's not even close. I love how everybody was like, for a hot minute for like five years, people were, after Tom Brady had won the 2016 Super Bowl against the Falcons, people were like, Tom Brady's the most win- winningest quarterback, but Aaron's the best. And I'm like, Be old, like, why is he the best? Well, he's the most talented. And I'm like, yeah, but does he win? Does that talent consistently show up? Because I would rather have the guy that has seven Super Bowls and not. One, Super Bowl appearance. And victory, of course, in Aaron, but still. And by the way, it looks like he may retire as well, but we'll see what happens. I thought that Tom was going to go to the Raiders this offseason. Apparently, he is trying to work on his family dynamic. Not really sure what that means. I'm not even going to speculate on it because, to be honest with you, it's kind of not my place or my business, but... Tom is going to retire, essentially the greatest of all time. Love Tom. Think he's great. Think he's awesome. First ballot, Hall of Famer, all that good stuff. Seven Super Bowl rings. Defied expectations and the absolute obnoxious freaking naysayers that were like, "Eh, Tom Brady isn't the best player of all time. Eh, eh, Obnoxious to all hell. And he, you know, like it's sad to see him go out the way that he went out. Um, Not if you're a Cowboys fan, of course. Not if you're, you know, because, I mean, the Cowboys are trending right now because of Tom retiring and of the Cowboys retiring him. But, um, you know, it sucks that Tom's retiring and it sucks that he went out like that. You would have hoped that he would have potentially have retired last year where he had had, like, a relatively good season and not this season where it was kind of obvious that he was going to get booted out of the first round in Tampa Bay Buccaneers really did not have a, excuse me, a
0: shot this year. Sorry. I ate a lot of food today.
1: I think the interesting thing that's going to happen with Tom Brady being retired is kind of the, the response, right? If you're Tampa Bay, you feel like you're a quarterback
0: away. Do you call up the Raiders and ask for
1: Derek Carr? I mean, technically speaking, by the way, because of how, if I can transition kind of from Tom Brady's retirement to something else, if you are the Raiders, you kind of have fucked yourself over with Derek Carr and how eager you have been at trying to get him off of your books. That's kind of the reality of the situation for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Or not the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, excuse me, for the Raiders. The Raiders were very, very excited because I think they thought that they were going to get Tom Brady. I think that was the plan. They were like, we are getting rid of Tom Brady right now. Or not Tom Brady. I keep getting the quarterbacks mixed up, excuse me. We are getting rid of Derek Carr before February 15th. Because that is apparently when his contract sets in. That is when they will have to owe him buku bucks. And so they were going to get rid of him via a trade. He was going to have a very like good market. But it turns out that there are a lot of teams that are like, eh, we don't really want Derek Carr because you kind of have undersold him. You have devalued the asset, so to speak. And now we kind of we don't want him anymore. But now, with Tampa Bay, right, do you feel good about potentially making a trade for Derek Carr? Now, keep in mind, Tampa Bay is, they are, so incredibly bad financially-wise. I mean, they are in the gutter. Some weird reason, right? For some weird reason. After the NFL essentially made the salary cap the highest that it has ever been, ever been in the history of the sport. For some weird reason, Tampa Bay is $50 million, 55 excuse me, million dollars over the cap. They're in the red. They are deep in the red. They got to move some pieces. They got to move some pieces one or two of those pieces. It can't be both. Will either be Chris Godwin or Mike Evans. I mean that's just the reality. And by the way, Tom Brady's going to cost them a lot of money as well just because like just because it's um just because he like like his money is guaranteed or something like that. I don't know. I don't know the structure of his contract. They may renegotiate it because he's retiring and stuff like that trying to help out the uh, the salary cap or whatever. But I mean, if you're Tampa Bay, and you're just like, we have to get rid of somebody, we have to move on, is Vita Vea? didn't he just get a big deal contract as well? Yeah, I mean, he's getting paid like almost $20 million as an interior defensive tackle, as a nose tackle. They're giving him a shit ton of money. Who's Carlton Davis? Is he a corner? Yeah, I mean, he's not... They gave Carlton Davis $18 million. Carlton Davis is not that good of a corner. Okay. Point being Tampa Bay overvaluated some of these assets, like Carlton Davis, for example. I'm like, is he that guy that always gets smoked? Yes. Yes, he is. They overvaluated some of their assets. And realistically speaking, they're going to have to make some cuts. They're either going to have to you know, cut some players, move some players, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, they may move on from Mike Evans. Right? They may move on from Mike Evans. They may move on from Chris Godwin. Now, Mike Evans this year in 2023 has his highest cap hit at $23 million annually. What you could do as a football team, and he has certain... I don't know how his contract is structured, but he has like certain switches on his contract where certain certain years are voided and things of that nature. But you could hit some switches and you could be like, look, and by the way, Mike Evans is 30 years old, but he's still great. He's still one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. He's like top 10 or borderline top 10. You could move some money around and you could give him some money. You could backload his contract and be like, we're going to essentially essentially move you, move some money around and put you at like... You know, we could, like, his contract right now is technically up at, like, 2026, but there are certain years that are avoided. You can essentially extend him and move some money around and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that way his contract this year isn't uh, isn't killing you so badly, you know? It's kind of the reality of the situation for Mike Evans. And Mike Evans is awesome. He's great. I think he, um, I, I don't think for Tampa Bay's sake, Like, it's hard, right? It's hard to make some of these moves. I think they have to figure out how to get a quarterback, a good one. Their division is horrendously weak. And I think, to be honest with you, unless some huge changes happen, I think that it'll stay very weak next year as well. Arthur Smith, the Atlanta Falcons head coach, is not very good. The Saints head coach in, um, in Dennis Allen is not very good as well. The Carolina Panthers just hired Frank Wright, who I don't think is very good. I don't think Frank, and Todd Bowles, by the way, isn't very good as well. Like Frank Wright, by the way, I had a whole little segment on him, and I was like, I think Frank Wright's success is a derivative of the assistance that he has, aka Matt Ibraflus and also Nick Sirianni, versus his actual ability to coach. I, I think he's a tad bit overrated, but we will see what happens. Long story short, Tampa Bay could still very, very easily take control over this division and they could be able to say to themselves, well, we're a quarterback away, but who exactly is that quarterback that you will insert into your football team? They still have Kyle Trask, who I liked out of Florida. They could potentially, they can't really go into the draft and get somebody good or great this year. I don't think. We will see. This is a weird year where a lot of teams are kind of fine with their quarterbacks, They're satisfied for the most part. They kind of want to see and evaluate their quarterback talent. And it'll kind of be, it'll kind of be one of those years in the draft where you'll have a lot of quarterbacks that are kind of being, um, that are kind of like hanging out there. But um, we'll kind of see what, what happens. We'll kind of see what happens with Tampa Bay. Are they aggressive in the draft? Do they like Kyle Trask? They didn't like him last year. They rushed. They ran to get Tom Brady out of retirement when he retired. They were like, please come out trask isn't very good so we'll see about Kyle Trask. we'll see about any of the other draft picks for Tampa Bay it's very very interesting what's going on down there um will Mike Evans be traded a lot of people want him to I don't really I don't really know man I don't I, like if I'm like the GM's perspective if I'm in the GM seat I would probably trade Chris Godwin because Chris Godwin is not as good as Mike Evans and they over they overpaid for Chris Godwin they really did. When they gave him the contract, I was shocked. I would have tried to move Chris Godwin before I moved Mike Evans, but Mike Evans doesn't really have a lot of time either. He may have an additional three to four years um, as well. So we'll see what happens with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I don't think Chris Godwin is, is very, very... I don't, I, don't think he's, I don't think he's anywhere close to a top 10 wide receiver. He's getting paid more than Mike Evans, way. We'll see. <clears throat> we will
0: see. But, um, yeah, a lot of stuff going on in Tampa Bay. What is going on? I'm like.
1: I'm like, Beyonce is like twinding, trending on... I got to get off of Twitter because Beyonce is like trending on Twitter. And I was like, what's going on? What, what happened to Beyonce? I thought she released another renaissance. Sorry. <clears throat> Anyways. Um, yeah, a lot of, lot of movement happening over the course of the last 24 hours. A lot of big names being moved. Not necessarily big name players, but big names. D'Amico Ryan, Sean Payton, Tom Brady, et cetera, et cetera. We'll, we'll watch and see what happens with Tampa. We'll see. By the by, do I think Mike Evans is going to be traded? I don't know. I don't know. I think he could just be... I, you know what? Donovan Smith also could be a cap casualty because Donovan Smith isn't, isn't very good. Got destroyed by Micah Parsons. But yeah, oh, oh no, they're not getting rid of, of Chris Godwin. You know what they may have to do? Honestly... Because I don't see any switch... I mean, they're going to have to move some money around. I don't see any huge moves that they could make that will reduce their cap to anything doable, you know? Like, there's nothing... Like, I'm on over the cap right now, and I don't really see any huge cap savings that they can hit right now, whether it's cuts, trades, whatever the case may be. Like, all of it is essentially, like, you can save a marginal amount of money. You can save nine million dollars by getting rid of donovan smith but you really can't move a whole lot of money around by cutting or trading or releasing players like that's that's the reality of tampa bay so we'll see we'll see i remember seeing like baltimore ravens fans were photoshopping mike evans in a baltimore ravens jersey and i completely forgot about how bad the baltimore ravens not offensive line is excuse me but their wide receiving courts I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. They do have a shitty wide receiving core. So <clears throat> we, uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with Tampa Bay. Tom Brady is kind of one of the big important reasons why they've had so much success down there over the last couple of years. No, I, I undersold it. He is the reason why they have had so much success. I, I mean, let's just get it out on Front Street, man. They were the worst team in one percentage in professional sports, not football. Across baseball, football, basketball, hockey, and soccer, across all of the major professional sports leagues in America, they were the worst in one percentage. And so it's just like, I, I can't, in Tom Brady literally goes to Tampa Bay the first year, they go to the Super Bowl. Uh, they go to the Super Bowl, excuse me. Next two years, they go to the playoffs, and it's just like, oh, like they've had success. They've had success with Tom Brady being there. Now, do they have that same success when Tom Brady leaves? I, I don't I don't think so, Which is why I think it's imperative and important for them to figure some of this stuff out. Like now.. So.
0: <clears throat> we'll see. We'll see. Do, 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 do.
1: Finally, final bit of news, and this, ladies and gentlemen, is why. Um, I remember, like, what was it? Like, people, it was so weird. It was like people were talking about Brock Purdy's arm. I was like, I don't really know what's going on with his arm. I thought it was his wrist at one point, but it was his elbow. And he had torn his UCL. And I had said yet on yesterday's podcast, I think I was talking about it or on Mondays. I cannot remember. But I was talking about Brock Purdy's arm and how his elbow, he had like tore his UCL. I'm like, I don't really know the injury at all. So I'm not really going to cover it that much. I'm not really going to talk about it. Brock Purdy will need Tommy John's surgery. Now, yesterday... And again, this is, like, the benefit of sometimes of, like, missing a day is that sometimes information that is inaccurate gets revealed to be inaccurate. And we finally, you know, we we get a resolution, a good resolution on some uh, some information. Brock Purdy will need a Tommy John surgery. What the 49ers originally thought was... They thought that he didn't need a Tommy John surgery and that they, he could just have like a normal surgery. Uh uh-uh, uh, he needs a Tommy John surgery. And so now Brock Purdy is out for a year. Like they said, six to nine months maybe. Nope, he's done. He is now done for next year as well. And so once again, you have potentially Trey Lance, and I apologize for referencing. Yesterday's podcast, because yesterday's podcast obviously did not come to a fruition, but I will reference yesterday's podcast once again. Yesterday, I talked about how, how um, the 49ers were going to move forward with Brock Purdy, and he was going to be the starter, and all is good. And it's essentially next year what it looks like before the offseason even happens, but more likely than not, because I don't believe in any team in the NFC South I don't believe in any team in the NFC West outside of the Rams and the 49ers, but the 49ers obviously being the top-tier team, and the NFC North is inflated. They're inflated. They're kind of fool's gold. They're a mirage. It's like The Vikings had like 14 wins. It doesn't matter. They're terrible. They lost to the Giants, who got shattered in the freaking NFC divisional round. Let me stand my ass up. They got shattered by the Giants in the divisional round of the playoffs this year. Let me move some stuff around. Hold on, let me get something really, really fast. Hold on.
0: Uh, two seconds. Sorry about that.
1: But I thought, for example, let me hold on. Let me move my, my chair. I'm standing up and it's like literally my way. But well, the 49ers, to me, were easily one of the best teams. Going forward after this year, they were in line to just take over the entirety of the, uh, the NFC, the entirety of the league, and now they don't have Brock Purdy anymore. They don't have him for a year. And I thought last year, or this year, I, no, I thought next year, excuse me, it was going to be Eagles, 49ers, and Dallas that were going to be able to run the gauntlet of the NFC, right? Now with the 49ers being out potentially with Brock Purdy and the unknown with Trey Lance and even kind of the unknown with Brock Purdy, right? He's going to be out for a year. It's like, does he get better? Does he get worse? I don't really know, but Brock Purdy being out for a year, he could get better. He could get worse. He could still say the exact same, but I'm, I'm not sure what's going to happen with him. It's like, do they, do they roll with Trey Lance next year? I mean, they will obviously, but how good is Trey Lance? I remember, Kyle Shanahan had said something interesting. He said that there is no scenario that he sees Jimmy Garoppolo coming back to San Francisco. And just like, I kind of like squint my eyes and tilt my head to the side a little bit and say to myself, are you sure about that? And just like, I don't know. Their luck with quarterback injuries is insane. Like Tommy Johns, and I talked about it, again, to reference yesterday's podcast, I talked about it yesterday, right? Where I was like, I don't, really know of a lot of quarterbacks that have had Tommy John surgery before that have like needed that, that, um, that procedure, that medical procedure. Apparently there is like one other guy recently that's had that that's had that surgery. And that's been M- Nick Mullins of the 49ers two years ago, or technically three years ago, because we're in 2023, like three years ago is Nick Mullins who needed Tommy John surgery. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ, the luck that they have, not just with that injury, the bad luck, I guess, that they have with that injury and with just the health of their quarterbacks is insane. And so Brock Purdy is now out for what looks to be a year. And I don't really know what the 49ers do. They are kind of like, um, it, it could be kind of like last year or technically two years ago now, I guess. The 2021 Regular season, where the 49ers were kind of reeling. Jimmy Garoppolo, um, or they were reeling for like part of the season. They really upset two big teams, Dallas and the uh, and the Green Bay Packers in the playoffs. But then they almost beat the Rams in the playoffs at um at Los Angeles because the 49er fans took over because there's more 49er fans in Los Angeles than there are Los Angeles Rams fans. But it felt like after that season, after the Rams won the Super Bowl, it felt like, oh, the Rams are just going to dominate that division. That obviously didn't happen last year, but it kind of feels like that this year, where it's just like, I don't know how the 49ers are supposed to win games this year. I really don't. And then they have to extend some huge players. Do they have to extend Fred Warner? I don't think they have to extend Fred Warner. I think he's already got his money. I think he—it's I, I, I it's not even I think. I know he's got his money. Yeah, he's got his money. But um, they also got to extend Nick Bosa. Then it's like Trey Lance is in this weird spot of his career where he hasn't—he didn't play his first year at all. He barely played—he played for one or two games last year. And then the games that he played in, he was not very good. And then this is his third year in the NFL. This next season is his third year in the NFL. And that being important and significant in the context of he could get extended next year. And it's just like, if he has one good season, are you going to extend him? Are you going to be like, yep, we've seen enough. He's the great, he's, he's a good enough player to extend. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, Brock Purdy being out puts a huge damper in the 49ers plans for success. And I I just don't really know what they're supposed to do. It's a shocker how bad they have, how um how bad luck they have with quarterback injuries. And granted, Brock Purdy, it's not like he like it's so weird his injury. His injury was Josh Wett coming off the right side of the offensive line and his elbow gets absolutely destroyed. Because Josh Sweat pulls his arm back, and he's just trying to bat at the ball. It's it's normal stuff. It's not like he tried to hurt him. It was just kind of a normal play that you see a lot of quarterbacks or a lot of pass rushers try to make. And I mean, he tears his UCL, man. And it's just like, it's like I don't know, I don't know. It's like a freak accident, which is why I just I've I, like I don't really talk about Tommy John. Injuries, because they very, very rarely happen in the NFL. But apparently, they are very consistent if you wear a 49ers jersey, unfortunately. So, anyways, the final thing that we'll talk about before we talk about
0: draft topics is, shocker,
1: the Dallas Cowboys. And I wasn't really going to talk about the Cowboys outside of the draft today until I got this little tweet from John Machoda, who is a Dallas Cowboys beat reporter. And he is... And he is... uh, He just tweeted out about 43 minutes ago about the Eagles and the Rams being aggressive in free agency. Right? Technically, the Rams were aggressive in the actual regular season when it came to getting players. They got Odell Beckham Jr. And they also got, if you can remember, Von Miller. And it was those two players... That really set them up for success. It was those two players that had propelled them forward um, into the playoffs. And they had hit the right stride at the right moment with Vaughn Miller and with Odell Beckham Jr. And that's how they really got into the Super Bowl. And then last year with the Eagles, or this season I guess with the Eagles, they got A.J. Brown. They had, they had acquired him via free agency. Or not free agency, but they traded for him for a first-round draft pick. They acquired Hassan Redick, who has, like, almost 20 sacks this season, by the way, called it. It's funny how, like, guys that I root for when it comes to pass rushers, I've been right on, like, Matt Judon, correct on, right on, 100%. Hassan Redick, absolutely right on. He has, like, 20 20 sacks. He's, he's incredible. He was the player that beat the shit out of the right tackle for the San Francisco 49ers, and I think he was the... uh the guy that had unfortunately injured Brock Purdy, just to like give you a little bit of context. But Hassan Reddick, Matt Judon, correct about A.J. Brown, they got in free agency. This is in regards to the Eagles and their aggressiveness. But there has been aggression in the offseason for these football teams. And I've kind of like. I, I've like shrugged my shoulders and I'm just like, I don't understand teams that are just like, we're good enough when they obviously aren't. And they're just, they're, ch- they're cheap and afraid. That's kind of what it comes down to. They are, they are cheap and afraid to take a risk. The Rams have been to, at, at the time of winning last year's Super Bowl, they had been to like two Super Bowls and what was it? It was three years. Two Super Bowls in like three years. They weren't afraid to take risk, and they won one, and they went to two. And then last year, or this year, the Eagles have now been to five Super Bowls, or not five Super Bowls, two Super Bowls in five years, and it looks like they could potentially win this next one. And just like, it's just like, Dallas has not been to the Super Bowl in 27 years almost. Almost 30, I mean, it, it's going to be 27 years this year, but in almost 30 years, they haven't been to the Super Bowl. And this season, they were incredibly passive. And in fact, they took a step back, right? They traded away Amari Cooper for like a fifth round draft pick when they could have easily gotten a first if they were a little bit more um, discerning with Amari Cooper. And if they didn't, and if they were just not so, uh, so just like excited and, and happy to get rid of him, they could have actually gotten huge compensation back for him. And then they could have used that to potentially draft a wide receiver or another player to help them win football games. And then they re-signed Michael Gallup, who had a very bad season, in my opinion, with the Cowboys. And he didn't look anything that he should look like. He didn't look fast. He didn't run great routes. He was a average to below average receiver, if I'm 100% honest with you. People were like, why why isn't Kellen Moore getting Michael Gallup involved? And it's just like, because Michael Gallup isn't very good. That's why. And so, Michael Gallup, they extended. Terrible decision, it looks like. They, they were excited to get him on the cheap. That's also why they were excited to get him. And they're just so cheap. Dallas is so cheap. They were like, we're going to go after James Washington, um, which I was just like, that's a meh. And then they were like, we're going to utilize Noah Brown. I was excited about potentially some of the wide receivers they could get in the draft. But once again, they weren't aggressive in that front. And they, um, they got Jalen Tolbert, who I loved out of, um, I think, um, the universe. It's not Alabama as in the Crimson Tide, but it's like, it's, it's, it's some off-brand Alabama school. I forgot what it was called. But um, I was excited that they got him because he was awesome and he was not very good. Maybe he can be good and, or better this year, but, I mean, he had a terrible preseason. I was like, this is not what I expected from him. Maybe he can become better after having a full year off, but I'm, I'm not sure. I still think if you're the Cowboys, you still go after a wide receiver, but now they actually have options. If Mike Evans is available in Tampa Bay, maybe you can go after him. Same thing goes with DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins has kind of been a fantastic player for all the teams that he's been on. This year, he he was uh, suspended for like six games because of PEDs, performance-enhancing drugs, if you don't know the uh, the acronym. He was caught with something. I don't know what he was caught with, but he was caught with something. And so he gets out and he goes out for like six games. But I mean, he still had some good games here and there but overall his season was like it was it was good for a guy that missed 6 games he had 717 yards and 3 touchdowns. He had a good season last the uh, the season before that the 2021 season he was hurt. But I mean, here are his numbers outside of the last 2 seasons, right? 1400 yards, 6 touchdowns, 1100 yards, 7 touchdowns, 1500 yards, 11 touchdowns, 1300 yards, 13 touchdowns going all the way back to 2017. Obviously, these last 2 seasons are very telling, right? Because he has 500 yards, 72, 572 yards, eight touchdowns, 717 yards, three touchdowns. So it's not like he's been, you know, it's not like he's gone for broke here. So you may not necessarily get a great piece, but DeAndre Hopkins, Mike Evans are two very, very interesting wide receiver chess pieces for whatever team may need a wide receiver. But you could potentially get a a player that is uh that's on his last leg. So we'll see what happens. But the quote from Jerry Jones today that I haven't read, but we'll see kind of what it breaks down to. Jerry Jones is kind of incoherent as well. He's sometimes not intelligible. It's hard to it's hard to fucking understand him. He is not very uh, like he he is like eighty years old and it shows, right? So some of the stuff that he will probably say just won't make sense and I'll try and have to like decipher what it is. Dallas Dallas reporters, for some weird reason, think that this is like an endearing trait. Oh, this is just an old guy. And then you remember, it's just like this guy runs one of the most profitable and most important football franchises on the planet. It's not endearing that he's kind of senile because can you imagine him running a football team? Yeah. It's like, oh, no wonder why they haven't won a Super Bowl in 30 years. Anyways, here's the quote. Anybody who thinks I won't take a chance has misread the tea leaves. Well, Jerry, you haven't taken a chance in like two or three years. So that's already, I already, I already feel, I've only read one sentence and I'm like, that's kind of a bullshit answer. Because he hasn't, the Dallas Cowboys, by the way, are notorious for not taking a chance in free agency. They are notorious for not doing anything in free agency. This is like a boldface lie. Continuing forward. But I do think longer term. Again, like he like he's never he's never taken a risk in the last couple of years. I'm real hesitant to bet it all for a year. You should because that's what the Rams did, that's what the Eagles did and they both played in a Super Bowl respectively. A Super Bowl that you haven't been in in 30 years, but I'll stop interrupting. I'll just read the quote. Uh, there's a lot of things that can happen for that year. In essence, we're seeing a couple of teams, Eagles and Rams, that have had some real success putting it all out there and paying for it later. But they went, but dude, like, he's, I'm already done. I don't need to read the quote. He's not going to take a risk. It's just, I don't know why John Mashota even like tried to tweet out as if he was going to take a risk. He's not going to take a risk. Okay, moving on. I was like, I apologize for wasting your time. I'm like, it's, it's, it's just bullshit. It's again, it's like a Dallas reporter trying to be like, look at this awesome Jerry Jones quote. It's like, it's, he's not taking risk. I would be shocked if they traded for Mike Evans or DeAndre Hopkins.
0: So anyways,
1: let's talk about the draft here. So the draft will happen in April. We're getting into that season draft season, player valuations, uh we're trying to also look at some calculations and some simulations via multiple different mock draft simulators and also um we're kind of just we're going to talk about projections and things of that nature. Draft season is officially here. Some teams that have essentially lost two or three games or not, maybe may not two or three games, but games for two or three months are very excited because this is the best time for them because they have sucked for like two or three months. And finally, that sucking will pay off in the form of getting a very high draft pick, um, specifically and especially in regards to Chicago and the Houston Texans. Now, today, something very, very interesting
0: gets posted, gets put out.
1: It is that the Chicago Bears are officially moving forward with Justin Fields, they will not be in the quarterback market for Bryce Young or C.J. Shroud, which to be honest with you, I I could have told you that. I'm kind of shocked that it was even like a controversy or even kind of a question. Again, it kind of just like in some ways, it's like, okay, they're doing their due diligence, right? Like you can see it from that perspective. But in other ways, it's just like, really, you didn't you didn't know that you had... Franchise quarterback already? You didn't, you didn't know that already? That's kind of... Like, it's, it's ridiculous. They're a very, very bad football team, the Chicago Bears. And for me, it's a lot more concerning that Ryan Poles... I mean, his season has been over with for, like, almost a month. And it's just like, you're now coming to the conclusion that... Yes, Justin Fields is your quarterback...
0: Like, what? Okay. Okay. So,
1: essentially one of the scenarios, right, as we get closer and closer to the draft. By the way, for some weird reason, a lot of teams like to lie in March. They like to have some what's called gamesmanship in March where they just lie all the time and reporters cannot get enough of the lies. So, we'll have to weed through the lies and things of that nature. So... Already Chicago, I don't think it's a lie. I think it's truthful that for some weird reason, it's in March. It's not in February. Like they still act like the season is still going on and they still try to be very transparent. But in February, like I think that this is truthful. I think that they are going to stick with Justin Fields. I think that they're going to move forward with him. And Chicago is now open for business for the first overall pick. They're now open for business, which is great for Chicago. In my opinion, because one of the scenarios that I was running through yesterday, again, a good thing that I didn't record a podcast yesterday, if there is a you know if there is something good to take away, but um one of the scenarios that I kind of went through last night was the simplicity of the fact that Chicago, like if Chicago doesn't trade the number one overall pick, and I thought that that would be a waste. I I, I still do, and kind of the scenarios. Um, that could happen if Chicago does trade and which teams that they should trade for and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so we'll get into that here in a couple of minutes. But first, I do want to show you kind of how bad Chicago media is at being able to formulate actual trades that can and will be valuable for their football team because they are not very good at it. They are... Oh, incredibly bad at it. And I will um, we'll pick it up from there. And I will also pull up a draft simulator so that way we can actually, or I can actually show you some uh, some things here for Chicago. And I'll kind of lay, uh, lay my own perspective on it. Kind of like what teams should do and draft things and draft theory and things of that nature, which I think is very important. And I've kind of picked this up, not necessarily from... It's more, theor, uh, it's more theory than anything else. It's not like I got this from one place or whatever. It's just like I've picked it up over a bunch of different places, and uh, I usually am correct. No, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm usually correct. I'm like, I'm usually correct in certain projections that I feel very, very strongly about. There's certain times where I'm just like, oh my God, these, project- these projections, these players aren't very good, et cetera, et cetera. I've been wrong about Dallas for like the last two years. I was like, I thought that the Micah Parsons... The Micah Parsons... Uh, pick was bad over the Rashawn Slater pick, which, I mean, they got one of the best defensive players in the NFL. Granted, wasn't necessarily wrong about Rashawn Slater either. Like, Rashawn Slater is one of the best tackles in the NFL. He just tore his bicep. So that's why you may or may not have heard of him. Plus, he plays for the Chargers, which nobody cares about except for the NFL. The NFL's been trying to juice up the Chargers for about a year now, but nobody cares about the Chargers. On the flip side... I talked about Tyler Smith. I was like, oh my God, I prayed to Jesus that they would go after Tyler, um, Tyler Linderbaum, the center from Iowa. And uh, Tyler Smith looks like to be essentially the best offensive lineman, regardless of the position that he plays, tackle or guard. He looks to be the best. And I don't know where Dallas is going to play him. I mean, I, I really don't know. He could play left tackle. He could play left guard, which is insane that he can play both positions at, ver- at, at like the age that he is and be like great at both of them and really have some bad games. But like all of the like two bad games, by the way, out of 17, just so we're given context. But it's like insane that he essentially went into the season as one of the most penalized offensive linemen in college, if not the most penalized and completely reduced that down and was able to play two different positions in the uh in the course of a regular season all while playing both of them at like the highest of levels. It's insane how dominant he was this year. So, I don't know what Dallas is going to do with Tyler Smith and Tyron Smith and Connor McGovern. They may let Connor McGovern go away and play Tyler Smith at left guard. And we'll see about right tackle, but, I mean, you could also potentially get a tackle here for Dallas. I don't want to necessarily just make this about Dallas, but I just wanted to highlight just how wrong I've been about Dallas, and it's just been kind of an admiration fest of Tyler Smith here. Now, I got some clips for Chicago, for the Chicago Bears uh, reporters here that are juiced up about the draft and are talking about the draft. This is from CHGO. This is one of the only places that I can find Draft Talk for. Chicago is very, very notorious for being old when it comes to their media coverage in the sense of they can only usually talk about and reference either the 80s Bears, the 90s Bulls, or themselves, the current contemporary Bears, which are always bad. In regards to just anything. And it gives them horrendous perspectives on everything.
0: Anyways. Talking about Chicago.
1: I got this clip for you. We'll listen to three different perspectives. One of which we'll kind of eliminate. We may listen to a little bit. But we'll see what happens. By the way. I'm watching uh, Justice League Unlimited. Very interesting scene. And it's like. It's done great. Where it's just like. Aquaman, Hawk Girl, and like this all powerful borderline godlike Android are just playing chess <laughs> and this like ten foot tall Android is watching Hawk Girl and Aquaman this Android that can like literally destroy and move planets is like <laughs> just watching them play chess it's it's somewhat hilarious sorry but um here's here's the first clip of Chicago, of the Chicago Bears, talking about the draft. Here it is. What
4: would we do with the number one overall pick? Carm, I'm going to start with you.
1: And a little bit of context. This is before. This is like two weeks ago. This is before Ryan Poles came out and was like, we are in... This is before today. This is before he just said, we are in business. We want to get rid of the number one overall pick.
2: Okay, so I've got what I consider to be some realism and some pie in the sky trying to rip off the, the, uh, the Houston Texans. But I, <laughs> ideally, I want to trade back twice. I want to go from one to two, and then I want to go from two to
1: four. So, it- Which, by the way, is not a bad concept. It's not a bad concept to trade back twice And also um, to still kind of hang around in the top five of the draft, but we'll talk about, but he's, he's not wrong, but we'll talk about, he's not wrong so far, but we will talk about why he is wrong in the future. And my
2: one to two in my ripoff scenario here, it's not a ripoff, Houston. It's a great deal for you. Absolutely great deal. You got. My thoughts. Yeah, we're going. We're going one to two, and and the Houston Texans are going to give us. Uh, their are two, and they're going to give us their number twelve overall, so they can go up and get their quarterback. We're just getting their extra number one pick. No big deal. You get the quarterback, and you and you tell your all your fan bases that you got your quarterback, and that was it was worth the price of poker. And and hey, we we've got him, and we're and we're set. So two, so two and twelve. I'm trying to bilk off them. If I can't get that twelve. I'll get I'll take whatever else I, I whatever else I can get in the later rounds. And then I and with the 2 I want to do exactly what the 49ers did with the Bears. So that in 2017 they flipped 3 for 2, we're going to do 2 for 4 with the Colts who need their quarterback and they're going to come up and take Will Levis or CJ Stroud with the number 2 and I'm going to get and that trade was a third rounder and a fourth rounder that year and then a third round pick the following year.
1: So you're going to give us your 4 If you're okay, he's stumbling and bumbling around. If you are confused, it's because he's incoherent and doesn't make any sense, and you have a right to be confused. Because just listening to that, it was just like, oh, he's just like what he's saying makes no sense. I'll simplify what he's essentially trying to say is that the Chicago Bears will trade their first overall pick with the Houston Texans. They will. Swap first, so Chicago will get the second overall pick, and they will get an additional fourth. They will get the 12th, not fourth. They will get an additional first. So they will get the 12th overall pick as well as the number two. They will have two first-round picks by just adding one. I'll try to keep it as simple to not try to confuse you. But essentially, out of that deal, out of the bears pick, they will just get an additional first-round draft pick. They will trade back with, I think he said, the Colts with the number two spot, and they will only get a third and a fourth round pick. If they do that, they're morons, they're idiots, and they failed. Drastically. I mean... And he, by the way, utilizes former Chicago Bear lore in order to justify his reasoning, which is terrible, because once again, Chicago is a terrible sports town. In the sense of their sports teams, specifically their football teams. So don't compare yourself to yourself. Compare yourself to other football teams. And specifically, this is the problem, is that people don't have really, really great perspectives on the matter. Look around the NFL. Look around the league, right?
0: What would you give up for Joe Burrow?
1: What would you give up for Joe Burrow? If you could have Joe Burrow right now, how many draft picks would you trade for him? If I told you right now, you could have Joe Burrow for five picks, for five first-rounders. Would you do it? Of course you would, because he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. The same thing goes, for example, Nick Bosa. If you could have one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, what would you give up? That's what the first overall pick means. And that's why I say these Chicago sports writers, they have no idea what they're talking about, because they think that, that freaking the first-round draft pick is a first and a third and a fourth. That's what you can get back Even if it's with a team that's like right next to you in the draft, I'm like, dude, if you're not getting at least two to three first round draft picks back, you failed miserably. You should be able to get two picks over the next two years back, including this year. You should get whatever team you're trading for. You should get Texans second and 12th picks this year and their first round draft pick next year and potentially some later picks. Maybe you can, you know, maybe you can parlay, like your seventh for their sixth or something like that, you should be getting some assets back. And even then, you may feel a little bit salty about coming out of the deal because you may have just let the team that is drafting in front of you leapfrog you in order to get potentially Joe Burrow when you potentially could have had Joe Burrow. And by the way, just just so we're clear on this, Justin Fields is not Joe Burrow. He may never be Joe Burrow. Justin Fields is not Patrick Mahomes. He may never be Patrick Mahomes. Does he have a lot of talent? Of course he does. But talent isn't everything, as we just learned with Zach Wilson. It really isn't. How you put it together. And also, it's also your team because Joe Burrow's team, as cheap as it is, went out and got Jamar Chase. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with uh, some of these other teams. But it's imperative that you put things in proper context and that you look through the lens. Of the first overall pick, not with your dumbass lens, not with you fucking up and trading all of your assets in order to try and get Mitchell Trubisky instead of Patrick Mahomes. Not in your dumbass lens, but in the lens of the NFL, in the sense of them acquiring and accumulating a bunch of talent and getting a bunch of these top-tier players. So a first, a third, and a fourth rounder, it's incoherent. It's a mess. I know it is. I know what he just said, it's it's hard to understand. Not even hard. It's impossible, I understand. But a first, a third, and a fourth rounder is a joke. That's a failure. I'm laughing at the freaking Bears. Oh, you only have to give up a first round draft pick, a third and a fourth? Or technically speaking, he goes on to say and he goes on to clarify. Again, he moves and trades back twice. The Texans only had to give up one first round draft pick to get their guy. That is insanely underpriced, insane. That's like going into, into a freaking uh, a Walmart and coming out with a Walmart, uh, coming out of Walmart with like a PS5 and you only had to pay like hundred dollars. You know, it's like it's a five hundred dollar console and you only had to pay hundred dollars.
0: Insane. Insane. Oh goodness gracious.
1: Anyways, um. We're gonna fast forward a little bit and we're gonna go on to perspective number two. Oh, by the way, let me let me just say this again, watching Justice League. I've said that like eight times this podcast. Great TV show. Fucking great TV show. One of the Justice League, I love Justice League. Unlimited. It's such a great TV show and Justice League because it's like they literally, they literally are so smart at at writing story arcs and things of that nature and carrying over story arcs into multiple different seasons of the tv show and one of the story arcs is the betrayal of one of the justice league members of hawk girl hawk girl is uh, in this this uh the superhero that has wings like an angel she's from a different planet she's a thanagaran she's a alien who has, she's a, she's a human looking person, but she has wings, right? She portrays the Justice League for her home race, but then she portrays the home race for the entire planet earth, et cetera, et cetera. And so she gets booted from the Justice League. Technically she quits. It's the, I'm not fired. I quit, you know, line. She, she pulled that, you know? And so in Justice League Unlimited, she's been hiding with Dr. Fate, who is like Dr. Strange, who is this magician in his tower, kind of trying to find herself because, you know, she's not a superhero anymore and she's not a, you know, she's not a soldier. She's, you know, she's trying to find herself. Um, There's nothing wrong with that. And so she's just like, um, let me kind of hang out with Dr. Fate for a hot minute. And um, now she's ready to come back to duty. And the episode that she comes back to help the Justice League is... When Solomon Grundy, who is a literal gigantic juiced up fucking zombie, is beating the shit out of the Justice League, specifically Superman, and the only way to kill it is with this mace that she has that's made of this specific metal that um, that kills zombies, essentially. And so she comes back and she's essentially about to beat the shit out of, uh, <laughs> out of Solomon Grundy with a mace. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait to see it. But... Yeah, we also have more perspectives to listen to when it comes to Chicago, and this is, this is a bad one. This is a bad perspective. It, it, here we go. All right, the, as you Actually, described- it's it's still the same guy that's kind of like sputtering around, but a little bit before that or a little bit after that, it'll be the perspective that I'm trying to find. I think this is it. Here it is, maybe. They don't have
3: to act I mean, like anything. C.J. Stroud played pretty lights out in in that game, so yeah, I think. Yeah, let me try to- and find it. Or Buckner,
1: here we go. Here we go. It'll take a little while to develop, but here it is.
3: Um, you know, sometimes that perception—you know—you end with a really great game. All of a sudden, it elevates everything. All right.
4: Uh, so you're you're trading back twice. That's I'm, your. I'm trading back. What are twice. you doing? I'm trading back once.
3: Okay, here it is, the Colts, right? And I'm I'm trying to work something out to get Quentin Nelson or uh, or Buckner. One of those two. Woo. If we can get if we can get that, and maybe give him some later later draft picks or a later year. Because I'm looking at it. Houston, they're going to go with a quarterback, right? Arizona, they got they got a bunch of needs, right? They need offensive line, they need a, a defensive tackle and end. And a head but I'm coach. just not trading back one more for Seattle because I think they're gonna they're gonna pick one of those defensive linemen that we need. So I'm trading back with them and tr- trying to get you know Buckner or Nelson if we can work that out with some later picks or something of that nature. But I just want one time. I'm not I'm not doing the double decker trade. But just one time with them. If we could, if we could get – imagine if we can get a Quentin Nelson with Tevin Jenkins if he's able to be healthy. I think that would be really good up the middle. And then potentially if we could get a tackle in, in free agency, I think that would be a really good situation uh, yeah. for the Bears. I don't know if that would be able to happen, you know, to get one of those guys. But it, but it would be if the numbers made sense, picks made sense for the Colts to, – to, I think that could be something that could be attractive. And,
4: and I want
1: Okay, so hard pause there. Okay, so you are not going to get Quentin Nelson. Okay, you're not going to get Quentin Nelson because Quentin Nelson is one of the best players on that football team on on the Indianapolis football team on the Indianapolis Colts, and they're not that stupid to trade away literally one of the only pieces on the offensive line that seems to be doing good, even though Quentin Nelson kind of had a down year last year. Plus, it doesn't make sense dollars-wise, as he just said. He is $18 million in dead money, just straight up. Or excuse me, it's $30 million in dead money. You don't save any money by getting rid of him. You literally will have negative $18 million in cap savings by getting rid of Quentin Nelson. cool thing about DeForest Buckner is that DeForest Buckner is up for a contract after the 2024 season. He's a free agent in 2025. But you're going to owe him, if you do trade for him, you're going to owe him like $19 million. But even in that regard, DeForest Buckner is one of their best, the Indianapolis Colts' best defensive players. Not just defensive linemen, so defensive player. So this guy's talking about literally getting one Of the best Colts players on the team. It's either, you're either getting the best offensive player or the best defensive player. You're not getting either one of those guys. This is like another prospect and a perspective of just conversations around the draft. Ridiculously high. Ridiculously high returns. Like you are not getting the Colts best offensive lineman or best defensive player. And DeForest Buckner and Quentin Nelson. You're just not getting that. That's not a thing that happens. Chris Ballard is not a great GM. I think to some degree he's a good GM. I think he's a good GM. But he's not like a bad, he's not Ryan Poles or one of these, or Ryan Pace who's just going to do something stupid. He's not going to give you one of his best football players on the team. And then you only get a first round draft pick again, which that's not going to happen.
4: Specifically, when it comes to maybe some wide receivers available, if that's where you can combine the picks to get the right wide receiver without losing too much, and still you know be able to make your high draft pick trade. Here's something I want to. So, I like both of your scenarios. What I, I hate want both of to bring them bring up is everybody's trade, 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 and I get it, and I love it. I love the concept of it and adding more draft capital. I also want to be very careful though by the
1: way this is the perspective that I thought we weren't going to get into but we will get into it just so we can address it right so he will present you he will present to you that maybe it is not so much of a bad idea to not trade the first overall pick and to use that pick in order to get Will Anderson or Jalen Carter which it seems appetizing right Until you realize that Chicago is not one player away. They are like eight players away across both sides of the football field and potentially some special teamers as well. They need a lot of players. And like eight good players. Not just eight starters, but like eight good players. They need, at the very least, potentially two to three offensive linemen. They need potentially two to three wide receivers. Maybe three wide receivers because Darnell Mooney is hurt. I don't like Chase Claypool anymore. He's not very good. And, I like, like I don't know who their third guy is, which means that they need another one. I don't know if uh, whoever their tight end is. Who is their tight end? I don't know who their tight end is. I thought it was Pratt Fearmouth, but it's somebody. But that's the Steelers' tight end. Whoever he is, he's not very good. They don't have any cornerbacks. They don't have any pass rushers. They don't really have any linebackers as well. And um, Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker are young and bad. So... You could make the argument that they are bad because that they are young and they could get better, which makes a lot of sense. And we'll kind of see what happens there. But yes, it's, we will see what happens with some of these players. By the way, I'm watching this fucking gut-wrenching scene of hot girl killing Solomon Grundy, which is fucking heartbreaking. Oh my God. It's so sad to see her kill Solomon Grundy, but she's got to fucking do it. Anyways. Going back to the, uh, to the to the thing. Trade too far back. And so
4: my thought here is don't trade past the number two pick ideally. What? So if you can get something with Houston, which a good comment I just saw a couple seconds ago, which I wanted to bring up because love you, Carm. You're not getting the 12 overall pick for moving back one spot. Just doesn't. I'll, do, I'll go do, back and look at the Trubisky trade, the Okay, deal. shut
1: the fuck up. This guy pisses me the fuck off. Holy shit. Because this guy is so uneducated about what actually happens in the drafts, right? When it comes to picks. He's just like, love you, Karm. You're not moving, you're not getting a first round draft pick uh, from moving from moving back uh, one pick or from moving back or whatever. And it's just like Yes, you fucking are. If the team thinks that they're getting. Joe Burrow. If they're getting Nick Bosa. If they're getting Burrow. That's the power of the first overall pick. They have a nuclear missile. An intercontinental ballistic missile. That is loaded packed to the brim. With freaking nuclear uh, armaments. And they're just like. like, Can we kill a rabbit? I mean can can we even kill a mice? They're like. Undervaluing and underutilizing one of the biggest assets they have gotten in like the last ten years, number one overall pick, and they also have a quarterback. It's ridiculous that he's just like, "Love you, Carb. You're not getting a a, a, a first two first round draft picks from moving back one spot." It's just like the fuck you are. It's like the Colts need a number first and foremost. I'll— I'll talk to you about leverage and things of that nature. I won't talk to you about it later. Never mind. I'll do it right now, okay? The Bears have the number one overall pick. The Texans want Bryce Young. The Colts want a quarterback. The Raiders potentially want a quarterback. The Atlanta Falcons potentially want a quarterback. The freaking Carolina Panthers want a quarterback. These are teams that want quarterbacks, okay? Now, what you can do is you can easily trade with the Texans, not just because of, oh my God, we're just trading back one spot, but because the Texans are in competition with everybody else and they have a shit ton of assets. They have two first round draft picks in this year's draft. So you for damn sure can get two firsts that you can get a first this year, right? You can get a first next year and you could potentially even get more assets next year as well. You know, if you use a little bit of intelligence, and if you're a little bit smart, and if you're, you know, a little bit up and up on the uh, on what's going on in the NFL, you know, you just have to actually know what is going on in the NFL to be able to make these uh, these judgments. Obviously, he has no idea what's going on in, in the NFL, so that's why he's just like, "Hmm, baby, uh, you're not gonna get back a first round draft pick if you trade away your first round draft pick." It's like what? Do you not know how the draft works?
4: Love you, Carm. You're not getting the 12 overall pick for moving back one spot. Idiot. Just doesn't I'll do, I'll Go do back it. and look at the Trubisky trade. The Bears gave up a third and a fourth. That's fine. And then a future, they got, and a future third, and I think they got back a fifth.
1: Nobody gives a shit about the fucking Bears. Nobody gives. This is why you're fucking losers. That's why you're fucking losers. Oh, my God. Like Lil Uzi Vert said in Prices, I just went up in my price. Have some self-respect, some self-awareness. You can actually get good. I would hate if one of the worst organizations fleeces one of the other worst. It's like the blind leading the blind. Can you imagine if the Houston Texans fleece the the Chicago Bears and they only have to give up this year's first? Like if Chicago, they're just like, whoa, we got two first-round draft picks this year. It's just like you guys just got fucking fleeced. But or technically, they would only get an additional. They would swap first. They would swap. They would go from one to two, and then, and then they would get the twelfth. So they would technically have two first-round draft picks, but they would only swap one, right? So It's just like they would only have one additional one. It's I know it's a little bit confusing, but bear with me on this. It's just like if you come out of this year's draft only with and it one additional first rounder, you suck. You suck, and you got fleeced. That's the reality.
2: I'll do my second trade twice. Give me, I'll solve two threes and two fours. But But, what I do
4: wonder if you could get is the Texans second round pick.
1: Oh, like, like what a fucking loser. What a fucking loser mentality. He's just like, Hmm, I wonder if you can get the Houston Texans second round pick. Ooh, like what? That's, that's your height. That's, Like the pinnacle of your drafting is getting an additional second round draft pick. That's it. Dallas moved back a couple of spots or like one spot outside of the top 10. And again, it's not moving back one spot. It's about moving back from the best position in the draft. It's like Dallas got a third rounder from moving back a couple of spots. And this guy is talking about, well, what can we do? Ooh, maybe we can get a first, a second round draft pick. It's like, what? How pathetic is that? Oh my God. Jesus Christ. Even if
4: you have to end up giving back like a fourth or something like that um, to even it out, which would get you essentially back the pick you traded for Claypool because you'd be picking 33. The Steelers would be ahead of you at 32, which was originally the Bears pick. But well, maybe you can get back that early second-round pick, which you know would make me feel better about everything. Okay. I'm just being selfish. Um, so that that's interesting to me. But the reason why I say be careful
1: about moving too
4: far back is – and I went back to
1: – And this is this is one of the reasons why we're here, this, this part here.
4: 2017 on this. But let's go back and look a little bit at the top picks in the draft that were not quarterbacks. And I think you're going to see a little bit of a theme here. So, again, this is non-quarterbacks drafted, like, in the top three. Um, but it kind of depends by year. So, last year, Trayvon Walker and Aiden Hutchinson. I think if you're um, watching these dudes, Killers. both look like studs. Yeah, um, Walker's got a little bit more seasoning that's got to come. But he's, to, to me, having a pretty good year. Hutchinson, out of all the guys I saw try to defend Justin Fields this year at the line of scrimmage, I think he was the best. Yeah. I mean, his ability to no, serve, Nobody cares. There's dudes at the top of the draft. We're going to fast and forward you, a little you bit. start to get back even like the fourth or fifth pick. You, now you're talking more about like good players. But I'm, I'm talking about like superstars. Like really high level difference makers that make an impact right away.
1: Okay, okay let's test that theory. Okay, numb nuts. Because he, uh, once again, doesn't fucking know anything about drafting, right? Kayvon Thibodeau, who had like a good year granted, not a great one, was taken fifth overall this year, okay? Uh, Charles Cross, who had a great year for Seattle, taken ninth overall. Garrett Wilson, tenth overall, who had a good year. In fact, he had a great year. I'll, I'll give it to him. Chris Olave, once again, he had like 1,000 yards. He was easily the best wide receiver in his draft class, especially because he had donuts for quarterbacks throwing him the football. And those are your top 11 picks, right? Chris Olave really should be a pro bowler this year at wide receiver, and so should Garrett Wilson. Moving on, last year you had Trevor Lawrence. He talked about non-quarterback positions. Kyle Pitts, fourth. Jamar Chase, fifth. Jalen Waddell, sixth. JC Horn, eighth. Patrick Sertan, nine. Micah Parsons, 12. Washaun Slater, 13th overall. These are like all pro bowlers. Micah Parsons, and I think Patrick, Patrick Sertan is like a borderline pro bowler, but he really should be. It's just because of kind of like his youth, because people don't know who he is. He's a great player. And like on and on and on and on and on. You can get, and by the way, the year that Joe Burrow was, was drafted, Joe Burrow, Chase Young, Jeff Okuda, Andrew Thomas, who sucks, Tua, who's awesome, or who's good, and Justin Herbert, who's like sixth. And these are like inside the top five Outside of the top five, we can go, and this is the 2020 draft, we can go to Tristan Worse all the way at freaking 13th, CeeDee Lamb at 17th, and AJ Terrell is one of the best corners in the NFL at 16th. It's like, they're everywhere. Good to great players, not even good to great players, great players to like, pro bowlers to all pro players are all are all in and around this area. And it's just like, I don't know what to tell people. Like, you have to actually use your fucking brain to be able to get some of these players. And obviously, Numbnuts does not understand that whatsoever. Okay. If he, thinks, if he thinks that you cannot trade out of the first overall pick or outside of the top four to get good players, it's more of a sure thing.
4: It's just more of a sure thing. But also, I think the proof is in the pudding here that it's kind of what you're getting when, you have, when you're making the first pick. Yes, there's examples of busts in history, but I'm going more recently here. There really aren't that many examples of busts.
1: There are. Jeff Akuda in 2020, he's a bust. Andrew Thomas for the Giants, he's kind of a bust. He had like, he went from having like a horrifying year almost every single year to, oh, he had like an average year. Derek Brown, and this is in the 2020 draft, number seventh overall pick. He's kind of a bust. The same thing goes with Isaiah Simmons. C.J. Henderson, who's already on his second team, he's kind of a bust, and he was the ninth overall pick. Henry Ruggs the third murderer, killed somebody with um, and got a D.U.M. because he was drunk. He's a bit of a bust. Jerry Judy is kind of a bust. We'll kind of see what happens. Austin Jackson, kind of a bust. Damon Arnett, 19th overall pick, he's kind of a bust. I mean, I know it's not necessarily, these aren't, in the top five. But my point is is that if you're smart enough, if you're good enough, you can find value in the draft. It's just, and again, it's the top of it's the top that matters. but at the exact same time, if you're good, if you're smart, if you're intelligent, you can find talent. there are risks for sure, even at the top. Zach Wilson is a bust. He's the second overall player in the 2021 draft. Trey Lance is kind of a bust if we're, if we're having our come to Jesus moment. Third overall pick, and he hasn't really played that much football in two years. It's like there are definitive busts. But, you know, again, you have to be a little bit more intelligent than just whatever he's putting out. But we'll play a little bit more, and then we'll get into some other things. So,
2: Derek
4: Stingley Jr., uh, you know, I honestly don't know how good of a rookie year he had. I'd have to go back and watch the Texans more. Jeff
2: is not exactly... Okay,
4: let me go through the years. We're still <laughs> okay. on 2022 here. Okay. okay, I'll calm down. Keep going. Sauce Gardner, then the next one, um, who looks Foss like a stud. Out. Yeah. So, it looks yeah. like a stud. So, the first four picks last year that were not quarterbacks, three of them, to me, look like they can And then, to
1: then to 20, get um, to 2021. Get to 2021. You
4: know, we'll, we'll, we'll see on Stingley. So, 2021, then, is a very interesting year because – a lot of quarterbacks taken, a lot of good players taken. Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Zach, Wilson, Sewell, address Zach Ford, Wilson. Address Zach Wilson. Address Zach Wilson. Patrick Sertan, Devonta Smith, Micah Parsons, Rashawn Slater. I mean, this that 2021 draft was a lot of Pro Bowlers. Kind of the exception to the rule, though. Oh but my God! The, it really was stacked. Now that being said, what I'm trying to get at though is superstar. Do I like Kyle Pitts?
1: All right. We're not getting anything from this guy. He's just not even addressing some of the more important topics. I think, uh, God, I think we've addressed how ridiculous some of what he is saying is talking, uh, or I, I think we've addressed the ridiculous points that he tried to make and trying to say that there is talent at the top end of the draft for sure, but there are also players everywhere if you are good at drafting. And that's kind of the point. Be good at drafting. Use the assets that you have. Use the top of the draft um, for your benefit and be able to get more assets to take more shots, to be able to acquire more talent and more draft picks. If you're good at drafting, more draft picks will help you less than having one very great draft pick, if not the best draft pick. Like, that's kind of the reality, you know? So, let's kind of get into... Chicago and why Chicago is powerful and why their position is strong and what they should do with that position because I've essentially spent the last 30 maybe 40 minutes criticizing a bunch of people why exactly am I so right and what exactly is my perspective on the matter because I don't just want to spend this critical being critical all day well Chicago can in fact get multiple first round draft picks back that's Uberly powerful for them um, in this draft. And let me unplug my computer first. Hold on. And on top of them having potentially multiple draft picks this year, you could have multiple draft picks next year with the Houston Texans. The reason why Seattle has the fifth overall draft pick is because they traded last year with the Denver Broncos for Russell Wilson, and they got a crap ton of assets back including this year's first rounder, um, because the Broncos were horrendous this year. And because they were horrendous, guess freaking what? Seattle was able to just have a gargantuan amount of first round um, assets uh, over the next couple of years. And that's why it's, it's important to get a lot of picks back, right? A lot of assets back. Because Seattle is now able to just be good, go to the playoffs, and then also capitalize on the Broncos being bad and getting a fifth. That's why you have to get multiple picks from this draft because the Texans are more likely than not going to be very, very bad next year, even with Bryce, because their team doesn't have any football players on it because they traded away all their good football players. So now, if you are the Chicago Bears, right? Getting multiple picks from one of the worst teams in the NFL is important. Being able to trade in and out of the first five picks could be up kind of for discussion. Putting it out there that multiple teams are potentially in the mix as well could help you out. Here's kind of the perspective that you should probably have. Go in with it with a plan. okay? If you are going to trade down, you should probably know at least three or four, maybe not three or four, but like, Four five, maybe six players that you like, and automatically take when you are when you're in um, when you're drafting. Right? I've been playing chess recently. In fact, I've been playing chess for like the last three or four months, pretty pretty heavily. I've been playing a lot of chess. I've improved my my uh, my not my record. What is it? My rating. There we go. My rating over the last couple of months in chess has taught me a lot of things. Right? Specifically, how to like calculate risk. And things of that nature. I had this game today that was so interesting. Where, what was it? Let me try and find it here. I'm going to go on my chess.com account here. I had this this very like interesting game that I was playing today. I'm going to turn off my computer audio so that way you don't have to hear the sound effects. I was playing like this game against this opponent who had absolutely no idea what they were doing. They were trying to just go for... This very, very, like, cheesy game where they were just like, eh, you know, we're not going to, we're not necessarily going to play straight up. We're just going to play this, like, this kind of bullshit game of chess where they were like, well, we're just going to uh just kind of, like, just kind of, like, fucking bullshit our way through the game, right? And so at certain points of the game, it gets to certain positions where I'm like, okay, cool, I have to be able to take certain pieces at certain times in order to, to uh to, what is it? In order to like improve my position, or maybe not improve my position, but to get an advantage against my opponent. And that's essentially what happened today, where I was able to, um, I was able to like win one game, or I guess it was just draw. I was able to like draw one game because my opponent had absolutely no idea how to play the freaking lines, the, uh, the game that they were trying to play. And they just put their pieces on terrible spots and terrible positions and they were, and they, um, and they got freaking murked by me. Um, even though it was a draw, because they didn't do any calculations. And so the long and the short of it is, is that you have to do some calculations when it comes to drafting. You have to be able to calculate, well, if we move back in the draft, there are, and should be, right? If we move back one spot, more likely than not, the Texans are going to take Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. We don't need a quarterback, so that means that Will Anderson, Jalen Carter... You know Quentin Johnston, who everybody likes. I'm not really that huge of a fan of, but regardless, you can take Quentin Johnston if you want. You can take an edge rusher. You can take. You can take a lot of different pieces, but you have to do the calculations. If you were a team that was like, hmm, maybe, oh, maybe we need a quarterback. If you're Chicago and you're thinking that way, that you need a quarterback for some weird reason, then okay, sure, Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud are off the board, but one of the one of the two is going to be there because only one pick has progressed. One pick has gone by. And so you have to calculate that. You have to be able to understand like situations, right? If you're Chicago and if you trade back, like if you get the fifth overall pick and you're Chicago, okay, Seattle moves up because they want a quarterback. That means more likely than not Bryce Young, CJ Stroud will be off the table. Will Anderson to potentially Jalen Carter, Will Levis will potentially be off the table. But guess what? You get like hopefully multiple first round draft picks back. And you could probably take Jordan Addison, who I do think is like a top 10 player in the draft. And, or you can take, um, apparently on my big board from pro football network. I haven't done my player evaluations yet. So give me some time on that. So I don't really know where players are supposed to go. You can take Paris Johnson, junior, the Ohio state tackle, and you can take him and you can, and you can, uh, feel pretty good about yourself and feel pretty happy. You can do that. That's essentially a situation where you're like, okay, we assessed the risk, we assessed certain elements of of, uh, of of what we have to do, and like who could potentially be gone, and we've made a pretty educated decision that we're we'll either going to take the tackle out of Ohio State or the wide receiver out of USC and Jordan Addison. That's essentially like how you play the position while also being able to get multiple draft picks. Now, if you're Chicago, you also kind of like have to have the realization that you're not necessarily going to be in a strong position going into next year's um, regular season because, again, you don't have any football players. So guess what? You're still going to suck next year, but hopefully you will not suck as much. And you can then leverage if you've traded back with the Houston Texans or if you've traded with Seattle, you can hopefully like leverage some of these picks later on in order to um, in order to get multiple different players over the next couple of drafts to help fill out your roster, so that way long-term you can have good players. That's the concepts that you should be rolling with. That's kind of why the Chicago Bears are in such a strong position, because they can potentially set themselves up for success not only in this draft, but in multiple drafts. They can get very, very young players at very, very cheap contracts that are also very, very top-tier players as well. They potentially are not going to uh, use the first overall pick to trade, or not trade, excuse me, but to uh, to like spin it on a football player like Will Anderson or Jalen Carter. But we will kind of see what happens here. We'll see how eager certain teams are. I think Chicago kind of played their hand a little bit too quickly and too early, unfortunately, because now every single team in, in the NFL is like, oh, they want to trade. Um, we're just not going to show how eager we are to trade. It's like in poker where you kind of have to bluff your opponent and essentially hide the fact that you have a horrendous hand from your opponent in order to make them think that you'll play any hand. You won't just play the hands where you have strong cards, you'll play the hands where you'll have bad cards, and it'll potentially throw your opponents off and, uh, and make your opponents try to decipher through kind of like um, conscious and unconscious behavior whether or not you have a good hand or not in poker. Like, regardless, right? Chicago is in a very, very strong position. Can they leverage that position in order to get a top-tier draft pick? I don't, I don't know. I would hope so. But there are... I have to express this. It is extraordinarily easy to leverage the position that they are currently in into assets, good assets, and great players inevitably down the road. Like, that's why... I'm a little bit irked by the notion that they would only get back one first rounder and not multiple picks over the course of the next two years, including this year. I'm like, wow, you've kind of gotten fucking fleeced.
0: Um, Anything else I want to talk about with the draft? Anything else I
1: want to talk about with Chicago? I think I'm done with Chicago. Um this year's draft is gonna be weird for sure. Just based off of how many how many teams that don't really need a quarterback that kind of control the top of the draft. Arizona doesn't need a quarterback. Potentially Seattle may re-sign Geno Smith. We'll kind of see what happens there. Um the Eagles at 10th overall. The Texans are a weird football team because they have two first round draft picks because they traded away Deshaun Watson. As well, but um, all of the bad teams, strangely enough, that really need a lot of players, they control the top of the draft. With some teams like the Eagles being the 10th overall spot, but I mean, man, oh man, there's it's going to be a lot of teams that need a lot of players that run the top 10 11 picks. Tennessee is that Tennessee? How did Tennessee had a, Oh, Tennessee sucked because they. They didn't go to the playoffs this year. And they're if Tennessee went to the playoffs this year, I'm like, why is Tennessee 11th? If Tennessee went to the playoffs this year, they would have been, I was like, with a losing record, I think. I was like, why is Tennessee 11th overall? But there's a lot of teams that kind of run the draft in the top 10 to 11, 12, 13 picks that could potentially go out and um and get some interesting players. I haven't really done my homework yet, but there's... A lot of people that are happy with a lot of the quarterbacks in this draft, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis being two of them. I think they are Anthony Richardson, Will Levis. I think they are developmental quarterbacks. They're like second, third round guys. I've really thought that they were like third round guys. They're like third round guys that to me need a lot of work. And I'm a bit shocked at how consistently people have been like, yep, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, they're two of the top guys in the draft. You know? Mm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. There's also some weirdness going on with wide receivers. I've kind of talked about it over the last month where Jackson Smith and Najigba is like the 21st overall pick. I think he should be way higher. Kayshawn Bouti is like the 38th pick according to Pro Football Network's big board. The big board is like, the entire like it is a football team or organization or websites rankings of all of the players everywhere on every, or every position so the big board is like i'm looking at the players and the rankings of the players relative to the draft so it's just like literally hundreds of players or i'm giving like information about where hundreds of players should go and things of that nature so the fact that like KeSean Boutique is like 38th overall i think is a little bit too low the fact that Jordan Addison is like Eighth, I think, is fine. Quentin Johnson, I'm not really that sure on. And uh, Jackson Smith, Najigba, which I think could be, like, the surprise of the draft, is ranked, like, 21st overall. I think he could kind of, to some degree, I think he could kind of be Justin Jefferson in the sense of he is... real. Maybe not Justin Jefferson, because Justin Jefferson had, like, proven it in college. But I think he could be, like... What's, uh, George Pickens, there we go. Like, George Pickens, where George Pickens had a lot of questions coming out of college, but and he was a hard evaluation, granted, but George Pickens is an awesome player for Pittsburgh. I think he needs a little bit more consistency from his quarterback position, and I think they need a better offensive coordinator, but yeah, I think, I think George Pickens is like a good receiver who could be great very easily. Yeah. What was Jackson's numbers here? Let me look at Jackson Smith. Give me like two seconds. I know he didn't have a 1,000 yards, right? Yeah, he only had 43. And he's just like, I don't care. He played in three games, and he only had five receptions. And it's just like, his numbers fell off a cliff. And it's just like, if we're just taking him from this year when he was hurt, like, I, I don't really care. I'm like, he had 13 receptions last year. Had 90, he had 13 games, excuse me, 95 receptions, 1,600 yards, nine touchdowns. I'm like... Are we, like, look, if you're just taking, look, I get it. If you're taking his this season, he was terrible this season. Especially because he didn't play for the majority of the season. But if we're being honest here, last year in the 2021 season, he had pretty much one of the best, if not the best, college seasons for wide receiver. And I, I am shocked that people are saying that he is a late first rounder when I'm like,
0: are are you sure? Are you sure you want to go about next
1: year being like, yeah, you know, Jackson Smith and the Jigba is a very good. We'll just roll out with fucking whoever, I don't know. I don't know. But um we'll see what happens. But Jackson Smith and the Jigba is just ridiculously undervalued. I'm interested in Josh Downs, the wide receiver out of North Carolina as well cuz I think he's also undervalued as well. The running backs are so interesting because there's like definitively two first round guys in Jameer Gibbs and Bijan Robinson, which is going to be very, very interesting because I don't think that there's a lot of teams that need running backs. Like Bijan Robinson right now is kind of like rated as the 13th overall pick on Pro Football Network, which I do trust. I do like Pro Football Network a lot. But like Bijan Robinson, the running back out of Texas, it's like. The teams that are hanging around the 13th pick that could potentially maybe use a running back are like the... I mean, maybe not the Patriots. They already have Stevenson and one other guy. I forgot his name. But it's like maybe Washington with the 16th overall pick. I don't think so. They have Antonio Gibson and somebody else. The Steelers, no. Maybe the Lions at 18th. Maybe Tampa Bay. We'll see what happens with Tampa. But it's like as much as Bijan Robinson, and this happens a lot more than you would think, right? There are times where players will be rated at a certain rate ranking, right? Like B. John Robinson is ranked 13th overall. And yet B. John Robinson will probably fall in like the 20s, right? He's ranked 13th overall, but I'd kind of be shocked if he does go before or even after 13th. And the reason for that is, is that the position that he plays isn't very valuable. It's the running back position and it's kind of the running back position. Having like a great running back is kind of like a luxury, you know? And so it's just like, sure, Bijan Robinson going to certain teams would be fine in some instances when it comes to his ranking. I don't, I don't actually know if he'd go to those, some of those teams. We'll see, though. We'll see, though. But Jameer Gibbs is fine at, like, 20th, 28th overall, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure where both of those guys go, but, you know, we'll see what happens. We've talked a lot about quarterbacks today. Or no, we haven't. We've talked about... Potentially drafting a quarterback. We haven't talked about quarterbacks. So the quarterbacks that are going to be talked about a lot this year are Bryce Young, CJ Shroud, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis. That's about it. Respectively, they are ranked um, one, two, nine, and 10. They're all top 10 draft picks for quarterbacks. I don't think there are three. That should really be in the top 10. I've, I've watched Bryce Young. I've watched CJ Stroud. I love both of them. I think those are two of the top players in this draft. Anthony Richardson and Will Levis, I've seen probably three or four games each, and I don't really like either one of them this high. And the, simp- the simplicity of the fact is, and you'll hear me talk about this a lot over the n- next couple of months, simplicity of the fact is that they're both underdeveloped. Like, I don't know what anyone sees in either one of these guys. They put on their highlights, and they're just like, uh, uh, they're, they're two of the best quarterbacks in this year's draft. And I'm like, yeah, but they can't throw the football accurately. Like, at all. And I'm shocked. Like, Anthony Richardson has significant accuracy issues while being an incredibly mobile quarterback with a big arm. Will Levis has a big arm as well. And it's just like... Haven't we just seen what happens when you have just a strong-arm quarterback who has, like, some athletic traits in Zach Wilson? Haven't we just seen that? By the way, Will Levis isn't accurate either. Like, I was interested in, and by the way, just so we're clear on this, the reason why I've seen Anthony Richardson was, I think I saw Florida versus Alabama or one of these games where I just watched Anthony Richardson play, and I was like, holy shit. Like, he's got arm strength, he's got mobility, he's got all the traits of an of a of like a first round draft pick. And then I saw like a couple more games of him and I'm like he's all over the place with just accuracy. And it's consistent. Like the inconsistency in his accuracy is consistent. And that to me
0: is rubbly.
1: Just like you mean to tell me this guy, Anthony Richardson, first round draft pick, first round player. If I were to put him on an NFL team right now, he would be able to play at a high level? Because I don't think so. And I don't think it's close at all. And I am shocked that uh, people think
0: that it's close. That's my issue with Anthony
1: Richardson. Then Will Levis is just yet another strong-armed quarterback that people for some weird reason just fall in love with. I have no idea why. And I I, I, I don't understand
0: it. I I don't understand it.
1: He's, like, come out of nowhere. And I'm just, like, he has more problems than Anthony Richardson. Because at the very least, Anthony Richardson is mobile. And he can run. And he has the big arm. And he's going to need time to develop. He has all that stuff. But it's just, like, Will Levis is even more problematic because he's not as mobile. And he does get brutalized and he does get hurt. And he does kind of like... The thing about Anthony Richardson is that he does fight a lot. That was one thing that I did see that I was like, oh, I kind of like that he does fight. He does fight a lot. Will Levis, when adversity strikes, I forgot what game, even if it's like a supreme amount, he does fold. He does fold. I forgot what game I was watching, but I was watching UK, University of Kentucky... And I was watching Will Levis get brutalized and he just, his accuracy fell off a cliff. And yeah, he was getting pressured and he was getting brutalized, but I've also seen Bryce Young. And this is, the, this is why I was uberly pissed off when people were like, Bryce Young is not as good as Will Levis, right? It was why I was so annoyed when people said that because Bryce Young got brutalized against Tennessee. And then I watch Will Levis get brutalized by some other team, and I'm like, he just folds like a banquet chair at the end of the night. I don't think these players are first-round draft picks. I think they're third-rounders. I think they're Trey Lance, honestly. I think Will Levis and Anthony, Rich- Anthony Richardson are, are backup. Not, maybe not backups, are developmental pieces. And it's so weird, too, because it's like, these guys are right now going to be top-ten picks. I don't know of what team that takes them. That just doesn't straight up take a risk, you know, on them in like a bad way. You know, maybe, for example, um, like Atlanta or the Panthers, they take a risk on a young quarterback, on Will Levis, or on Anthony Richardson. Maybe they take a risk, but it's just like, I don't know how much it's going to pan out for you. Especially when their problems with accuracy are going to be exacerbated when they go to these horrifying football teams. And once again, Atlanta and Carolina. I'm not really really high on either one of those guys, and I'm a bit shocked that a lot of teams and a lot of the evaluators are juiced up about those two guys, if I'm 100% honest with you. I'm like, huh, you think that they're top 10 picks?
0: In this year's draft? Okay. Okay. So, we've talked a lot about the draft for like an hour or so, which is a lot. Um,
1: i trying to think if I can add anything else about the draft. I mean, it's, it's another really, really awesome wide receiver draft class once again. Again, there's, I think right now, I haven't seen a lot of Joss Downs. I haven't seen a whole lot of uh, Rasheed or Reishi Rice. I haven't seen a lot of them. I think that there is probably five to eight, maybe. Five to eight guys, potentially, that could be first-round draft picks. I think so, at wide receiver. I felt somewhere similar to last year where I was like, I felt Christian Watson was one of the best wide receivers in the draft class and he goes in like the second round. Which is like insane, by the way. I was like, oh, he's he's gonna be one of the top guys. And I mean he kind of wasn't, but he kind of became one of the best wide receivers in his draft class. But it's like I think I, I gotta go back and I, I haven't watched Josh Downs yet. I haven't seen Reishi Rice or I haven't really looked closely at Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman the two Tennessee wide receivers that lit up college football about halfway through the uh, the regular season. But, I mean, they, like, let me, let me look up their numbers really, really fast. I haven't seen, like, a lot. I think I've seen, like, three or four Tennessee games. And I don't really have, like, a strong perspective on them yet. Let me look up Cedric Tillman's numbers. So, Cedric Tillman, I can't remember which one is the big one, so... Cedric Tillman, okay, that makes sense. I'm like, that's why people aren't high on him. Cedric Tillman, like, high is like a relative's thing, right? He had six games, 37 receptions, 417 yards, and three touchdowns, right? Last season, right? Season before that, when he was a junior, he had 64 receptions, 1,000 yards, 12 touchdowns, which is like a pretty great season for a college uh, football wide receiver. right, so Cedric Tillman is on Pro Football Network's board. He's the worst wide receiver. It's Jalen Hyatt. He's like the better one. Let me check it out. Give me like two seconds. Jalen Hyatt. What's his numbers? Oh, okay, he had 1,200 yards. Six. Oh, okay. he's Jalen Hyatt is your prototypical, just looking at his like number. Oh, okay, I see the problem. I'm like, Jalen Hyatt is your prototypical wide receiver in the NFL. He's like six foot, almost 200 pounds. He's like 175. He'll get bigger here in the next year. And I was like, I looked at his height and his weight, and I was like, oh, okay. Like, this, I was like, I I didn't know which one I saw, but I was like, I'm guessing I saw a lot of Jalen Hyatt. I was like, six foot, 175 pounds. And then I looked at his numbers, and his numbers are fucking disgusting. 1,200 yards, 18.9 yards per catch, 15 touchdowns. That's, like, elite for a college wide receiver, by the way. Don't let anyone tell you different. I'm a bit shocked that Pro Football Network has Jalen Hyatt as, like, a middling second-round draft pick. That's a bit of a shocker to me. But um, I'll, I'll take a look at Jalen Hyatt. Josh Downs is, like, another wide receiver. Who's another one? Marvin Mims and Rayshie Rice, who I've heard a lot about. Who is Rayshie Rice? Let me, let me. I by the way, Marvin Mims was like, was like, um, Oklahoma's like prototypical wide receiver. Hold on, Oklahoma's like prototypical awesome, great wide receiver who was going to be like a stud. But then Caleb Williams left for USC, and so did Lincoln Riley. Rayshie Rice again, right? Talking about. Being around like six foot, five eleven, six six foot one, Rishi Rice is six foot one, one hundred and eighty-nine pounds. So like the prototypical wide receiver in the NFL today is like five eleven, six foot, six foot one, maybe six foot two, and around two hundred pounds. Right? Two hundred, two hundred and ten pounds. Ray Rice is like six foot one, one eighty-nine, he'll bulk up. The same thing goes with Jalen Hyatt, right? Raishi Rice, six foot one, one eighty-nine, this season, he had 1,300 yards, 96 receptions, 14.1 yards per catch, and 10 tutties. So again, pretty elite for a wide receiver. I'm kind of ignoring conferences because I don't really care that much. But if we are going to be like, uh, 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 Rishi, uh, 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 not, conf- uh, not Rishi Rice, excuse me, but conferences, if we are going to talk conferences, then we can talk fucking, um, about how Jalen Hyatt put up like 1,300 yards, whatever the case may be against the SEC. Again, right? 5'11, six foot, six foot one, maybe six foot two, around 100 pounds, not 100, around 200 pounds. Marvin Mims, 5'11, 177, right? Notice how all of these guys that I'm talking about that I'm like interested in are like around 5'11, six foot, six foot one, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Marvin Mims had a good season. I thought he was going to be a better player, but considering I don't even know who his quarterback was, he had a pretty awesome season. His yards per catch are insane, right? Where it's like he has fifty four receptions he has a thousand yards. he's getting twenty yards per catch, which if you don't know the context of that, that's like c d lamb when he was at um uh, when he was at Oklahoma. he got six touchdowns, but Marvin Mims has kind of been all over the place because his quarterback play has been all over the place, so there you go, but I mean he fucking goes gangbusters, man, and so some those are some of the guys that I've kind of like seen and heard about a little bit and i think some of those guys could easily be like first round draft picks potentially i'm not i haven't watched all of them play yet but we will we will see what happens here in um the next couple of months so that was a lot of uh of talk about the draft and prospects and all this stuff it's um it, it was a lot we are still not done yet cuz i want to get conversations, the talk about the um about Formula One kind of um over with today as well. Um so today or not today, so this year, we will be covering Formula One a lot more. Formula One, the racing series, primarily it being European, but there's some crossover in the States um in the sense of the different circuits. There are really not a lot of of um what is it? of drivers that are American. I think there will be one American driver next year. If you want my honest opinion, I don't really care that there is not an American driver. Uh, I know that that's like a marketing ploy to have like an American driver. And so that way you can like market it to an American to Americans. I think the content production, like how good the content is kind of like spawns viewership as evident by the Drive to Survive series, because if you want my honest opinion about it, not even my opinion, just my perspective, dude, I literally wouldn't have known this was a thing unless Drive to Survive showed me that it was a thing, right? I like, guess literally how I got into Formula One, not because I heard about it through something and or whatever, it was literally because I heard about it via um, uh, Netflix's in-series TV show. That's how I heard about it. Fortunately or unfortunately. So. I'm watching. God, this is so sad. I'm watching Justice League Unlimited like ninth time I said that. It's like Batman. Batman Beyond is getting fucked and murked right now. He, I think he just died by DDs, which are like a futuristic version of Harley Quinn. And it's like the saddest fucking thing ever. They literally rip him apart. They fucking rip Batman apart. Without any context, it's hard to understand. But it's it's like a futuristic Batman that a bunch of clones of Harley Quinn just rip apart because this like time traveler that just breaks breaks literally the uh, the time stream.
0: Oh. All right. Um. <laughs>
1: anyways, uh, going back to talking about Formula One and not being distracted by. Justice League. So Formula One is a racing series primarily held in Europe, um, among other places. It it goes across I think the majority of the continents or all of the major continents, right? Except for Africa and Antarctica, I guess. Yeah, I don't know if there's a race in Africa. But there's races in North America, South America, Europe, Asia, and Australia, and it's a great racing series. It's In my opinion, the best I've seen NASCAR. I've seen rally cars. I've seen Formula E. I've seen uh, Indy cars. I've seen a lot of racing series. I've seen go karts, uh, go kart racing. I love racing. Um, As somebody who, ironically enough, like this is a I guess like the start of where people fall in love with like motorsports is Mario Kart, (laughs) but as like somebody who has like watched a lot of motorsports. Uh, In my life, I love Formula One because I love the uh, the cars, but really I love the circuits. I think the circuits are great. I love the I I also love uh, I'll get into other things, but I love like the circuits and I love the cars. I think circuits and motorsports are very 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 important for not only the racing that takes place on the um on the fucking, on the circuits, but also the actual, like, viewership as well. Uh, The viewing of the racing as well. One of the worst circuits ever is Monaco. Monaco is one of the worst circuits because the racing is boring, it's terrible, but it's a great-looking circuit. It's a great-looking race because you're essentially racing next to the ocean with a bunch of yachts, and it's like a a very, very rich city, and a rich town, and you race through the city, and it's iconic, and it's great, until you actually realize like nothing happens throughout two hours, unfortunately, I watched it one time, and I was like, wow, this sucks, but other than that, there's some really, really awesome races, there is some really, really awesome racing that goes on, the, there's so much, I don't want to say drama, because everybody is like hoping for drama, but it's like good drama, right, drama in the sense of like Things that go on without uh, things that go on within the sports, sport. Excuse me. Teams screw up all the time. They develop bad cars. They develop good cars. The car is like the pinnacle of um, of the sport itself, and how teams can develop cars and then continuously progress cars is imperative and important to the success of the team over the course of the racing year and we're about to have a lot of reveals of the cars and we're about to essentially see within the next couple of weeks when the uh when the first race I think in Bahrain will take place when we will actually get to see like whether or not some of these cars can actually compete and whether some of these teams are competitive and that'll be like one of the biggest events of the year just seeing these cars compete for the first time and whether or not certain teams can race with um can just can just be a functional um can just race, I guess, let me go on the website so that way we can talk about the individual teams. So the best thing about Formula One is the cars, just how awesome they are. They have this thing called DRS, which I love. DRS being um, Drag Reduction System. Basically the cars have spoilers, they call them I guess wings. They're, They're spoilers or wings, whatever they call them. On the back of the car, they have this part of it that reduces the speed intentionally, right, of the car. When you're on these certain parts of the circuit, you can open up the, uh, this little flap of the wing that gives you additional speed to potentially overtake your opponent, to overtake the other driver. The system that reduces that drag that increases your speed is called DRS. called It's called Drag Reduction System. And it helps you overtake on these circuits and specifically on the main straights. So there are curves and turns and stuff like that throughout the circuits, throughout the races that it's hard to overtake because there's not enough space and your car can't necessarily go as fast as they can on straights. So if you're in a great car like a Red Bull or a Mercedes or a Ferrari or whatever, you can more easily overtake on the straights with the assistance of DRS and sometimes just the raw speed of your car. Speed is like pace, which... Sounds cooler, admittedly. We go on Formula One's website and we can talk about the individual teams here. And by the way, you kind of know some of this stuff if you've, if you've, um, if you watch Formula One Drive to Survive, but I'm just kind of talking about it from my own perspective. So the teams on the racing grid this year are going to be... Alfa Romeo, Alpha Tauri, Alpine, Haas, Ferrari, Aston Martin, McLaren, Mercedes, Red Bull, and Williams. Essentially, the best teams right now are Red Bull, Mercedes, and Ferrari in that order. Red Bull being the two-time world champion of the last two years of the 2021 and 2022 season, where in 2021, they won by controversy. They definitely shouldn't have won. Um... Won't even get into that for the most part because it's ridiculous. But essentially the FIA wanted more drama, so they kind of screwed Mercedes over and they gave the championship to Red Bull. I'm not even going to get into it too much. Last year, Red Bull dominated the rest of the paddock, kind of submitting themselves as the team to beat this year with Max Verstappen, their absolute awesome, fantastic driver who really showcased what he can do and how he can do it with... Um, with a really, really awesome car, and I I forgot what Red Bull names their cars, but with his Red Bull last year, which it was one of the more dominating seasons for a driver really in the last couple of years. Outside of when Lewis Hamilton had the W11, which is probably one of the greatest race cars ever created um, back in 2020, there was really not as much of a dominance really seen on the paddock since then. And even then with last year's red bull it still wasn't as dominant as the w11 but still it was it was pretty dominant and it's mostly been because of kind of formula 1's kind of like how do i put this restrictions i would say on the teams with producing the uh, their respective cars and the reason why formula 1 put a, um some restrictions on the production of the car they now have a salary cap because teams could spend hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of millions of dollars on their respective cars. Because of that, teams could um, could essentially just buy their way into uh, great cars and it would be quote-unquote unfair to the rest of the teams on the paddock. Well, they introduced a salary cap. Teams have been essentially calculating and trying to account for it for years, and it still didn't matter. Red Bull, Ferrari, and Mercedes were the three top teams in Formula One. Um, Even though people have been complaining about them being the three top teams, it's just like, how about this? They're just better than everybody else. How about that? It's like, maybe it's not just about the money. Maybe it's because they are better than the other teams. Like, I don't know. Maybe that's it. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. But... But... um. Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes dominated the paddock. Mercedes under a little bit of controversy over the last year because they introduced this new side pod system called a zero side pod system uh, into their car. Side pods, and by the way, aerodynamics of cars and motorsports is important and it it is extraordinarily important in Formula One. Small deviations can lead to Huge improvements to huge, um, huge mistakes via teams, right? So Mercedes is like the only team running this side pod, this zero side pod build onto their car. The zero side pod being, a side pod being like this part of the car that helps distribute car, that helps distribute air in and around the car. They look like gigantic vents on the cars. You can literally see them if you ever just see a Formula One car, right? That's what a side pod is. And so Mercedes goes with this zero side pod approach, which everybody thinks is the reason why their car last year had significant issues. Unfortunately, that is not the case. The reason why Mercedes sucked last year is because they had to deal with this thing called ground effect. Ground effect is... A Formula One's car's proclivity to essentially get sucked into the ground, creating more downforce, right? Downforce being the force that enacts on a car pushing it down into the ground, giving them more grip and more traction through turns. So that way you can go faster into turns, right? A pretty good example of like a car with extraordinarily high downforce Is once again the W11 where there is this clip that goes that's that's like gone viral online. Or not even I don't like to say gone viral online, that makes me sound old. But there's this clip that you can get anywhere of like Lewis Hamilton. I forgot where he's in. But he's just like it's in an actual race and he's taking a turn. And Lewis Hamilton is literally going pretty much full out on the throttle. He's not he's not like like um, I think it's what it's like de-accelerating. He's not braking at all. He's just literally pretty much going almost as fast as he possibly can through a turn with his foot on the pedal. He hasn't like... He hasn't like um like shifted gears to go down a gear or whatever to make himself go slower. He's still at the same gear. He's going into the turn at full, full speed. And the reason why he isn't just freaking sliding off the track and crashing into the wall is because of how much downforce his car can generate. And now... Formula One last year introduced back into the sport this floor system that would generate ground effect, meaning that your car would be sucked even further into the ground, creating more downforce so that way you can drive significantly faster throughout the turns. Mercedes did not calculate for what is called porpoising of their car like a lot of cars did. And so a lot of cars on the grid struggled with this act of porpoising or it's bouncing, right? So the car, what porpoising essentially is, is the car essentially bouncing up and down because the car's floor is being sucked into the ground but not enough and so it goes back up and then it goes back down and then it goes back up and it is this bumping, it is this up and down motion that creates this bumping that like causes the car to like go slower, right? So that's why... Mercedes sucked last year for the most part because they were trying to deal with porpoising or like gyrating. I forgot what it was called. I forgot a, like another technique. It's not gyrating, but it's like porpoising or another term. I forgot what, it, what it's called. But anyways, Mercedes had to deal with porpoising. That's why they were not very good last year. That's why also Red Bull took complete control over pretty much every single circuit that they raced at. Ferrari, the third team on the grid, in my opinion really looked to be able to take the championship last year very, very early on. They had a great car. They looked in—I mean, they, for lack of a better term, they looked like they were in the driver's seat of the, um, of the racing series. The reason why they essentially uh, are not the champion today of, the, of last year is because the development of the car started to become worse. We talked about how significant and important developments of cars can, um, can be. Their development of their car got steadily and significantly worse as the season progressed. While Mercedes' car got better, their car got worse. And because of issues with strategy and driver error and re, uh, reliability issues, uh, their car started to, let me plug in my computer, hold on.
0: Sorry about that.
1: Their car performed worse As the season went on. And so they went from being essentially like the best team on the paddock to one of the worst teams. Maybe not one of the worst teams. They were third. They went from like literally potentially being a champion to, oh, my God, we're now competing with Mercedes, you know, pretty consistently. And Mercedes is out, you know, competing us. Ferrari and a little bit more controversy to come out of Ferrari is one of the drivers, his name is Charles Leclerc who's one of the best drivers on the paddock is potentially reconsidering his partnership with Ferrari because Ferrari is building crappy cars. The system in place is not working. And to be quite honest, Ferrari lost a lot of races for Charles and Carlos signs, the other driver for Ferrari over the course of last year. By the way, I forgot to mention this every single team, there's 10 teams. Every single team has 10 drivers. So, There's 20 drivers on the grid, but every single team has essentially... Did I say every single team has 10 drivers? Every single team has two drivers. There are 10 teams. That makes 20 drivers. Ferrari. It's going to be such an interesting year. I'm not taking Ferrari seriously at all. I don't think anyone is taking Ferrari seriously. And it's so weird because Ferrari is one of the best teams in the whole, like... In the whole of Formula One, historically speaking, but Mercedes and Red Bull have essentially eclipsed them over the course of, um, of the last decade and a half, pretty much. Like, the entire sport has been run by either Red Bull or Mercedes, for the most part, right? With Ferrari kind of, like, competing and being competitive and being at the top of the grid, but it's not like they've actually, like, won anything in almost, what, like, since, what, like, 2006, seven, eight, somewhere around there? And then the rest of the teams, kind of like the middle of the pack, were what, like Alpine, which is like a French-owned racing team, with Esteban Acon, who's like a good driver, and they now have a new driver, I think Nick DeVries. I think Alpine has, has, um, Alpine is like a middle-of-the-pack team. They, they kind of cannot compete with the top three teams. Same thing goes with McLaren and Austin, uh, Aston Martin. McLaren is such an interesting team because McLaren has a great driver in Lando Norris, and they have a terrible car. You're not a terrible car, but they have like, a car that is just straight-up uncompetitive with the top three teams. And Lando Norris, the McLaren driver, just drove his fucking guts out all last year, was an amazing driver for McLaren, was so awesome, so great, and... McLaren just could not develop a car that could help him win races, and you would kind of hope if you were Lando that you could maybe finish like 7th or 8th, and again, there's like six other drivers racing with, the, um, racing with the best cars, but it would kind of suck to see McLaren because of just how absolutely uncompetitive they were, and Lando could actually potentially challenge if he had a good car. He could challenge Max Verstappen. He could challenge Lewis Hamilton. He could challenge uh, Charles Leclerc. He could challenge the top of the grid if he actually had a good car, but he doesn't have a good car. So he's kind of just like stuck being like, can I get a good car, please? Things of that nature. But McLaren, Aston Martin, Alpine are kind of the the middle of the pack. They kind of fight with the middle of the pack. The rest of the teams, um, oh yeah, and Haas kind of, they're the American team that everybody wants to win, but I mean, I don't really care about Haas if you want my honest opinion about it. Haas has, who is it this year? Kevin Magnussen and Nik- Nico Ull-ke-berga. Nico. Nico Holkenberg. Um, I don't know about Haas. Uh, Haas is like Haas is like Haas is is fun and interesting. Haas is fun because of Gunther. Gunther Steiner. Uh the team, I guess, principal or the team manager. It, they're a fun team to cover, but not necessarily a fun team to watch. They always fuck up. The car is always not as competitive of the rest of the grid for the most part, and I don't know. Like, I, they need something. They need an influx of money. I don't. I don't know what they need. Maybe new, new leadership. I don't know. But I don't know what their plan is. Haas is. Um, I, I don't even know where Haas fits in. It just feels like Haas is like. I don't know. Haas Haas just feels weird as a team. They're, they're like I mean, they're like middle of the pack, I guess, but I don't know. I don't know. And then kind of the final three th- three teams that we'll talk about is like Williams, Alpha Romeo, and Alpha Towery. Alpha Towery kind of being a subset and the sister team of the Red Bull team. So there are two Red Bull teams. There's the Red Bull team, like the one with Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez. And then there's the Alpha Towery team, which is like the B team, the junior varsity team that has, like, all of the Red Bull backup drivers on it that kind of just race to see, to, like, develop them as drivers to potentially um, channel them into the actual mainline Red Bull team. So it's, like, literally a JV team on the Formula One grid. That's Alpha Towery. And then you have Alpha Romeo, which is, I think, going to be in a couple of years owned or worked with, like, working with Audi. I think, or something like that. And then Williams, who's either the worst team or one of the worst teams, and I, I don't really cover Williams that much. But Alvin Romeo is such an interesting team because there are teams that are looking to get into Formula One. There's teams, not teams, there are companies like Cadillac who potentially either want to work with a team or get their team. Like, with the popularity of Formula One increasing, there are outside interests from certain teams and certain manufacturers and things of that nature and companies that want to get into the sport. Audi wants to get into the sports. Porsche wants to get into the sport. And, um, Ford, I saw a video today of like Ford potentially working with Red Bull. Um, Honda is already in the sport as the provider of the engine for Red Bull, I think. And who else is like, what other team? Audi, Porsche, Cadillac Ford, oh yeah, Ford, I mentioned Honda, but I also forgot about Ford. Ford could potentially get into uh, get into the game with um I, I forgot who. Oh yeah, Red Bull, Red Bull. Red Bull. But a lot of people, a lot of companies have outside interests. there have been over this offseason there's been like rumblings and grumblings of like certain teams, like like another outside interest. Potentially wanting to create just a new Formula 1 team and not to take over a Formula 1 team. One of the common ways to get into Formula 1 isn't by actually creating your own team, but just taking over and taking the spot of an additional team. And Formula 1 is very expensive. And it doesn't earn a lot of money. Essentially, Formula 1 is a gigantic advertisement for their, uh, their respective like um, competitors, right? It's why you see so many cars with like advertisements and crap like that all over them. Because it's like it's essentially just advertisement for all these companies. And so it is very, very hard to break even. I remember I think it was like Red Bull or Mercedes. Literally, they just broke even by like, I, I forgot what the, what the margins were. But they like barely broke even when it comes to profitability with the sport. They don't make a lot of money on this sport. And so because of that, um, it's very, very easy to get out of the sport, very, very difficult to get in because you also have to have a lot of money to get into the sport. So a lot of teams. And then also the development of cars. It's not like teams are sharing their, uh, their secrets, their science, um, their engineering with other teams. They're very, very private about some stuff. They are very, very public with stuff that has to be public. So the development of cars is also very, very important. It's the whole formula in Formula 1. It's the formula of Formula 1 is you have to stick to a very specific formula and re- rules and regulations in the development of your car or cars in order to be able to be competitive, right? Or not competitive, but just to be able to compete. If you don't follow the, the rules and the regulations, your car is be driven, right? So the formula in Formula 1 comes from the formula which you have to develop your car, The development of that car is very, very costly. It is very, very time-consuming. It is very, very expensive. So as a team, a new team that is trying to get into the sport, the only way for you to get into this sport is to either buy your way into a current team or to develop your team, your car, over years upon years upon years upon years upon years, which is why it's not as simple and as easy as people think and expect it to be to just be like, well, we can just introduce a salary cap and that salary cap will strangle the top teams like Mercedes and Red Bull and, and Ferrari because Max Verstappen literally won the, uh, the single season record for race wins on, you know, on a racing schedule. And it's just like, oh, gee whiz, this salary cap sure did help in, uh, in, sh- in making the, the best team suck. It just made the best teams uncompetitive with Red Bull. Didn't make Williams go to the top, go from the back to the top, right? That's not how this works, okay? So, once again, right? Top teams, Mercedes, Red Bull, Ferrari, they're going to be very, very interesting. Some people are like, oh, I'm tired about covering Ferrari, Mercedes, and Red Bull. For me, I'm not tired of watching Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen and Charles Lecler- Leclerc and Carlos Sainz and George Russell and Sergio Perez the six drivers for those three teams race. That to me is not the problem. To me not the problem isn't even for me that Lewis Hamilton won a shit ton of races. I think he has the the record for race wins for pole positions that is like qualifying for first in a um in a like a in a timed trial. It, like to me the problem with the sport isn't that the back of the grid cars, the Williamses, the Alpha Tauri's, the Alpha Romeos, are not competing with Mercedes, Ferrari, and Red Bull. For me, the problem is Mercedes, Red Bull, and Ferrari are just not even Mercedes and Ferrari and whatever. My problem is, is that it cannot be one team that is just gooberly dominant, you know? Like, Red Bull cannot win 15 races in a season. They cannot win 15 of, like, 22 races. That's insane. That's too many races. It should not be that we should, in September, be like, oh, we know that Max, or maybe not know, but, like, everybody kind of knew around, like, yeah, I mean, this is even worse. Everybody knew around, like, June, July that Max was going to win uh, the world title, right? It shouldn't be at that point that we definitively know Max is going to win. Red Bull's going to win. It should be around like maybe a couple of weeks in November. November is essentially the final month of the regular season. I think that's what's going to make the sport better is just more uh, competition later on in the season. I think it would be fun and cool and interesting if you had all three of those teams being hyper-competitive with one another. That Ferrari and Red Bull and Mercedes were all winning races and it was close between all of their drivers. And so now you just can't be like, well, Sergio Perez, make way for Max Verstappen so that way he can pass, so that way he can get all the points. It's like now it's like, no, Sergio Perez is actually competitive within the uh, within the driver's championship. By the way, there are two championships, the driver's championship and the constructor's championship. The driver's championship being the championship which essentially is an individual award. It pertains the drivers, right? How many points, how many um total points you have have you scored in um in each and every single individual races. Points being given out to the top 10 drivers, but really the more significant points being given out to the top 5 drivers. The constructors championship being around the people who construct the cars, the teams. So it now takes into account Not just one driver individually, but both drivers collectively. And that's, and whoever, whatever team has the most points, not drivers, but whatever team has the most points, that's who wins the Constructors' Championship. But really the more prominent role is the Drivers' Championship. I think having a lot of competition at the top end is more significant than slowing down the top three in hopes that McLaren and Alpine and Aston Martin can, like, get it together and try to fight back against the top three teams. I think it's far more interesting if Matt, and I think, like, I, like as much as I love Lando Norris, or, like, we can take it like this, right? Imagine, imagine, like, um, like and I'm using examples, but, um, what is it? It's hard to, like, draw an analogy without giving, without having some context, but, um, what's, like, a football analogy? I I think I think it would be more interesting, right, to see a game of basketball with like Michael Jordan and LeBron James on different teams with like all stars and like with like LeBron with like Steph Curry and like Shaq and like all these players and like Michael Jordan with like uh, Kareem Abdul Jabbar and and uh, like a shooting and like Clay Thompson, you know. Like, great player... Like, great versus great players. I think it would be far more interesting to see, like, top-tier players competing against each other than, like, oh, my God, Michael Jordan has to go up against Charles Barkley, you know? With, like, Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman on his team, you know? I think that it's far more interesting to have top-tier teams competing up against each other rather than having, like, below-top-tier teams competing against one another. That's kind of, like, my point. It's like, I'd rather have... A 2021 season, except instead of it just being like Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen, we get in Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz. I think that would be far more. interesting. So, um, very, very long podcast. Very, very long episode. Talked about a lot of things today. today excuse me. Draft and um, Formula One. Pretty happy with that. Um, I'll see you tomorrow. I will be back tomorrow. It will be Thursday. Okay. Week's almost over with. See you Thursday. What will we talk about? I don't know. Well, we'll talk about some stuff. I think the, uh, the Pro Bowl thing will be tomorrow. I
0: don't care. I won't watch it.
1: But um, I don't know. We may do Music Matters. I don't know. We'll, uh, I'll, I'll figure it out. But I'll see you tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen, 24th Podcast.